Blog Talk Radio. I'm Allison Keyes, a national desk reporter here at NPR, an occasional guest host of Tell Me More, and I think one of the most important figures in black history is Dorothy Height. Wherever she went, a train of admirers followed her as they would a queen. Height spent almost all of her 98 years fighting for the empowerment of women and African Americans. And she was at the nucleus of the meetings which planned the direction to the civil rights movement at a time when men were the public face of that battle. This tiny dynamo, known for her always impeccable attire and stylish chapeaus, was already fighting against lynching when she was just in her 20s. Height spent more than 30 years with the YWCA and nearly 40 years with the National Council of Negro Women. She was also national president of the African-American sorority Delta Sigma Theta Incorporated from 1947 to 1957. In 2008, the year the first African-American was elected president of the United States, Height told NPR that there is still unfinished business in civil rights. We don't need the marches that we had in the past, but we need more consideration in looking at the boardroom tables and at the policies that are going on, looking at what's happening in industry, what's happening in terms of employment opportunities, housing, and the like. Height had the ear of U.S. presidents from Dwight Eisenhower to Barack Obama, and she wanted the young people she worked with so passionately throughout her career to follow in her footsteps and serve others. That was my colleague Allison Keyes, a familiar voice to this program as she fills in for me from time to time, paying tribute to civil rights leader Dorothy Height. To browse the full series of Tell Me More Black History Month essays, please log on to npr.org and in the search field type Black History Heroes. And good evening and welcome to another edition of the Bassett News Radio Show on the Bassett News Radio Network, WCOM. Uh, and uh, Chapel Hill, Carborough, our sister station. I broadcast this bad boy. I'm L.A. Bachelor. I hope you're having a good one wherever you are and wherever you decided to tune in. We really appreciate you. The number to call is 646-929-0130. You can also hit us up in the chat room if you're online at blogtalkradio.com uh, forward slash L.A. hyphen bachelor. Um, Pad Nation, you can hit us up at uh, Facebook at Pad Nation. Pad Nation 2, that's number 2 uh, at Twitter and Instagram and YouTube is L.A. Bachelor. As I bring in my guest, he's a motivational speaker, media personality, community activist. Always good to have the doctor, as you heard his his intro uh, come in. The doctor is in. He's Dr. Lee Bell. Doc, it's always a pleasure to have you on. I hope all is well with you, you and your fam, sir. Well, L.A., the answer is probably no, but it's good to be here with you as a reprieve. Yeah, it's it's good to have a reprieve at this this, this point uh, with all that's uh, going through. Before we get into some of the, the real topics I wanted to touch on, I only bring him up because of the destruction that this man caused in his life, and that's passing of Rush Limbaugh died at 70 at the he had cancer uh, this is a man who um spewed hate um on and off the air uh he he berated 
um, and and really was very ugly. It, it, I'm being kind to Barack Obama and all, all people of color. Um, you know, I saw someone on the conservative side that said, you know, he was a force in the conservative movement. And I and 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 Doc, I never really go this far. Um, but rest in purgatory. Uh, this man was just uh, it just spewed hate and and had evil intentions. Uh, there's no way around it. And anybody who says otherwise um, shows their um, their true colors and their true agenda, uh, which is corporate greed, regular greed, hate, and and envy, um, dissension, um, and and divisiveness. And to me, that's what he stood for. Without a doubt, it's being said today that Rush was actually the model for Trump's political ambitions. So that says a lot right there. And I think you gave him a very fitting epithet. Absolutely. Um, and, and, And really, as it relates to number 45, he really didn't jump on board with 45 until he had an agenda um, even more. But I, I, I think what's, what's telling, what's disturbing, what's disappointing, uh, Doc, is not just the Proud Boys who loved him and the Ann Coulters and, and all these, these people, all these crazy nut jobs. They're really not crazy. They're just they, – you know, they're, they're hateful people, but it's people who look like us, you know, the Candace Owens and the, uh, the diamond and silk girls, uh, I think are in Carolina and all these black people who don't seem, well, they get it, but do the work of the master that, that seem to be more dangerous, not only supporting him and endorsing him, but mourning him like he was some, uh, first of all, he wasn't, he was a talk show host. I mean, it was, you know, but the, the, he, he was the one man Fox wrecking crew for that side. I'm being facetious. I guess I could say, hopefully their movements will die with them. Yeah. Well, you know, good, good luck with that. Um, it's, um, it's, you know, 70 plus million people decided to vote for 45 for whatever their agenda is. And, um, so that struggle continues. Doc, I, I wanted to, it's, it's, you know, President Biden's early in his, his, uh, presidency, if you will, and his, and he's putting forth these agendas we talked about it way before he even got elected, and then we talked when he got elected. Now we're at, you know, a month in or whatever, and, you know, he had his 100-day agenda, obviously COVID-19 being one of those um, uh, criminal justice, if you want to call it reform, police reforming, and so on and so forth. So my question to you first is if if you could take – one policy thus far, and we talked about his, you know, cabinet people who he's going to put in place and 
you know, if progressives are going to be happy enough with it, moderates and that kind of thing. Um, if you can look at uh, one of his plans, his agenda thus far, that stands out that's good so far, and you have some questions so far, which what would those be? Well, I think his attention to the pandemic has been monumental. Number one, he started with almost nothing. Trump didn't leave a plan, didn't purchase enough vaccines, and we could go on and on and on. So President Biden and VP Harris, they've almost had to create their own map. And in the last week, we've had the weather situation that has hampered vaccine programs. There's not enough vaccines, but really none of that is actually the Biden-Harris doing. It's something they inherited. One of the things I do not like is the attempted pampering of the Republican Party, trying to do bipartisan work when you don't have a spirit of bipartisanship on the other side of the aisle. And to your point real quick, Doc, uh, you heard uh, Mr. Magoo, a.k.a. Mitch McConnell, said, listen, um, it's, it's to the benefit of our party if we oppose everything Joe Biden, President Biden puts forth. We heard that before, you know, um, it, yeah. with uh, President Obama. So uh, what bipartisanship? They don't want that. And and think about it. Once again, they will have blood on their hands. Well, they will decide party over people. When these people need this relief, and for all kinds of reasons, due to COVID-19, and yet he's going to come out publicly say, no, let's oppose everything, including this bill. We don't care if people die. We don't care if people don't go back to work. We don't care if uh, kids go back to school. We're just going to oppose this so it's going to help us in 2022. Well, I hope it does not help. I hope other people open their eyes and their hearts and their minds. We've had too much of McConnell economics, McConnell shenanigans. We have to remember this man stole two Supreme Court seats, which will change the course of this country forever. He helped spearhead the uh, many judges that Trump appointed which will also have a devastating effect on our communities. 400 bills on his desk that he did not move, bills that could have drastically improved the quality of life of pretty much everybody in the country. And if there are some folks who say that, well, opposing everything Biden does will help us, they're probably the one percenters. They don't need help. They can buy whatever they want. So for the Democratic Party, and I include 
Chuck Schumer, the Democrats must find not only some backbone, but some asses to put their foot to. It's no longer Mm. time for politics as usual. The Democrats go into this thing knowing what the Republicans will try to do, what they will do. My question is, are the Democrats weak and dumb that the Republicans can continue to run circles around them? Take, for instance, McConnell getting the Democrats to postpone the the uh, acquit the uh, trial for Trump and then say we have no jurisdiction over him because he's now out of office. The Democrats didn't see that coming. Are they out to lunch? Well, you know what, Doc, I will say this. Uh, You said, uh, you know, um, Naive and stupid, I think you said I'm, that I might have missed it, but I, I won't say stupid, but I will say that they, they, I've been saying this for the longest time. Republicans play chess, Democrats play checkers. They're so afraid in terms of polling and all these other things that they don't do the right thing. And I promise you. I- I promise you, I promise you, if they, they stood down with this impeachment, they, 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 uh, the, the Republicans and Lindsey Graham and all them uh, 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 said, listen, you want to bring in um, witnesses, we'll bring in a ton, a ton. And they bluffed them, and it worked. So if they're going to do that, not only they won't get this thing done for President Biden and, and all these Americans, but they're going to lose bad in 2022. I promise you that it's going to happen because if you're not going to, if you're not going to help your base and listen to your base, including progressives and you standing down just because Republicans, you know, bluff at you and you flinch, then you will be the minority in 2022 in the house and in the Senate. Well, LA, that's why I spell Democrats with three K's. You have members of the Democratic Party that are being complicit in the underpinning of our democracy. You do not let two Supreme Court seats go unless you're not working for the Democratic voters, you're working for white privilege. There are a lot of things I scratch my head about when it comes to the Democrats. The liberal Democrats are some of our worst enemies. They wear the Democratic label. But if you look at some of their work, some of the legislation that have been put on the table, you have to wonder where is the allegiance. Absolutely. In- if you're just for- joining us, we're, we're talking with Dr. Lee Bell, motivational speaker, media personality, and community activist here on the Bachelor News Radio Show. Uh, go ahead, Doc. I didn't mean to interrupt, sir. 
for instance, uh, here in Michigan, we're dealing with the Flint water crisis still seven years later. And we hear nary a peep from our senators. We have some state, uh, we have some U.S. reps that are out there talking loud, trying to do things, bringing some monies back to the community. But our two senators, they're worthless. So when I'm communicating with elected officials, I send the messages out to the senators, but also I'm sending out stuff to senators from other areas, hopefully embarrassing our elected officials. Just as black people and brown people brought the election home for Biden in this year's senatorial race that pitted a black Republican, John James, against Senator Gary Peters. It was the black and brown communities that pulled Peters behind out of the fire. But they do Yeah, and I heard certain. him speaking I heard him speaking lately about, you know, black and brown communities when that the whole in uh, um uh happy event uh Terrorism that happened on Jan- January 6th, I heard him is speaking. Um, it, it just, I don't see where the, the strong, I never believed in Chuck Schumer, Dr. Bell, uh, because he, under his watch as a minority leader, he allowed all those um, judges to get passed under Trump, under his minority leadership. So he's willing to well, do it. Then you got the Joe Mansons from West Virginia, and you got the you mentioned Debbie Stabenow, who every time she talks, it's all talking points. I have no clue of what Debbie Stabenow, your senator in Michigan, what is she talking about? It's all talking points, though. No real power, no real influence. She's just there. She's warming a seat, in my opinion. Well, L.A., the city of Flint has been polarized probably – since the 1920s. When we come to a major election, especially presidential, there is a headquarters for, I'll say, the mainstream candidacy. You will find a few blacks there, but mostly the blacks open up a headquarters on the other end of town. And that's for a couple of reasons. Number one, we don't feel comfortable. We're not made to feel comfortable in the main headquarters. People from the community will come into our headquarters, not only because they know us, but they feel us. I have asked Debbie Stabenow out time after time after time, You need to go over the other end of town and congratulate, thank the folks over at the black headquarters. She has not acknowledged the black headquarters at all. She'll stop by the white folks headquarters, but not the black one. And that says a lot by itself. 
during the last senatorial campaign with Gary Peters. Several months out from the campaign, I began to ask him, what is your relationship with black Michigan? No answer. He wouldn't even go on show talk shows on it's not a black radio station, but it caters to blacks. He would not even come on there for an interview. But yet and still, it was black folks who pulled his butt out the fire. Always. Um, always, and it, it seems to continue. Even even when you have a template in Georgia with Stacey Abram, when, who just galvanized so many people who either were disenfranchised or, you know, disillusioned with, um, you know, voting and their voting matter, their votes matter and count. She got all these people out. Templates right there. That's why I said one of the mistakes he made, uh, Mr. Biden, President Biden, is that he, she's not in the cabinet. Maybe she turned it down. I don't know. Maybe she feels like she could do more outside of it, but, um, I, I just think that if if you bring someone like that in that has a template for one state, one of the most racist red states in the country, if not the most, I mean, look at Mississippi and some other places, but, uh, and it happened. It, and, you know, um, but that's what that, I, I want to switch gears, um, Dr. Bell, to, um, this cold weather, and it really speaks to uh, the disproportion uh, numbers that we have in black communities when it comes to power outages and winter storms that knock stuff out. We see what's going on. We'll get to our stuff in a minute, but we, we see what's going on in Texas. I think they've had 30 deaths, uh, and most of them um, uh, among Black and brown residents, they, they've been hit the hardest. Uh, I had a quote from someone that said, whether it's flooding from severe weather events like hurricanes or something like severe cold, the history of the response to disasters is that these communities are hit first and have to suffer the longest. This is actually Robert Bullard, a professor at Texas Southern and HBCU, uh, told the New York Times. Um and listen, this this goes back to uh, you know the racism when it comes to you know not just people always look at economics and they look at housing, but environmental discrimination and yes. genocide that takes place. And and Dr. Bell, you're in Flint. You know how. How damn cold it is I'm from Connecticut I know how damn cold it is We know cold So imagine like a place like Texas And this climate change And everything is going on It's a flat state So it it does get cold But they don't get sort of the winter And the our pipes are gone You know we get that kind of I mean in your face You can't breathe type of cold In Michigan and in Connecticut So imagine there And imagine in Flint Imagine in New Haven where I'm from where if you live by these power plants or if you're in these areas where they dump stuff, where the, where the pollution is bad and the air is bad, and then you get this kind of stuff and add in the fact, now go back to the wage 
issues, the wage discrimination, the fact that you, if you have no power, you got to go stay somewhere else, um, or you have to making adjustments to spend money to stay somewhere else, and you you working minimum wage. As a matter of fact, you might be husband and wife both making minimum wage. So the the, the power issues, losing power in the winter storms and the hurricanes that knock all this stuff out, it's enormously worse in black and brown communities. Talk about that. We talk about economics and jobs and all these different isms. Nobody talks about the climate. Nobody talks about this, this pollution that goes on in our communities that affect us far worse than the white counterparts. L.A., all we have to do is look at the Flint water crisis, the situation in Detroit with their water being taken over. There are there's a uh, there's a marathon refinery in Detroit where they keep allowing more and more carcinogens into the air. They bought up the white neighborhoods, bought the folks out, tore the houses down, but they will not do the same for the black community. The Michigan Civil Rights Department did a study shortly after the water crisis began, and they concluded what Black folks already knew that the Flint water crisis happened largely because we were and are a largely black community. In the, in the proposed settlement that were being offered, $641 million, that's an insult. If it was white folks, they would probably cry quadruple that amount. In the lawsuit, it's a proposed lawsuit. It's supposed to be a negotiated lawsuit. My question to everyone I come upon in leadership, what the hell did the state of Michigan have to negotiate with? It was their failure that caused the Flint water crisis. Then there's a racial overlay over the attempted cover-up of the Flint water crisis. And then you come with a piggy bank offer, and you should have bought the vault. In the proposed lawsuit, they're offering us $641 million. The state put up $600 million. A local surveying crew put in $1 million. The hospital where all of the Legionnaires' diseases came from put in $20 million. And there was a recent report from the CDC that said said hospital has been responsible for Legionnaires' disease for the last 10 years. And then the city of Flint, insurance company put in $20 million. We were the victims. Why are we ponying up for a settlement? 
80% of the funds will go towards children. The lawyers will get over $200 million off the top plus expenses. If you are in an adult category and you want to claim damages against your appliances, your washer, your dryer, your dishwasher, your hot water heater, of course you have to have proof that you bought or those items were destroyed, you have to have receipts. That's no real biggie. But if you are a human being, an adult human being, you have to prove that you've been injured from drinking the poison water. You have to have a bone lead test. There are three places in the country that do those. The children have to have a neuropsych eval, which they are not getting because they are not available. To participate in the lawsuit, you must make up your mind the deadline is March 29th of this year. The lawyers are supposed to send out communications to the community information about how to get involved in the lawsuit, how to opt in, how to opt out. This is February 19th. 18th. We have not not seen any notices yet. So essentially, Doc, they basically, they're basically hoping that, it, first of all, the liars, I'm sorry, lawyers are involved, so you know they're going no, to get you, their money you, off the jump, right? Yeah, I said it I said it like that, but, I mean, they're going to get theirs off the jump, you know that. But then it, it sounds like, um, you know, they just want to put these obstacles in the way of people so they get frustrated or they die. Whichever comes first. Exactly. And they want the people to make a decision whether or not to be a part of the lawsuit or you can get your own private lawyer. Which is going to be uh, less money from the, top, the, the, the cut off the top anyway. So you get a, now you get a personal lawyer. Then you, so now you got to pay that 33 and a half, right? And then yeah. – the money's already coming off the top anyway, so now you're getting even less. I mean, this is like this is just and and oh by the way, listening audience, none of these people who caused this Flint water genocide. I mean, Dr. Bell's being, um, you know, a uh, 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 kind. I call it that because of people dying and potentially can dying. Um, None of these people are going to jail. Like nobody, nobody's going to prison for this. Zero people getting brought up in charges, getting dismissed. They paying a fine. The governor of the state, he's paying a fine. Nobody's being held accountable for this. Had this been in Auburn Hills, right, or somewhat, you know, Doc, one of these yeah. suburbs of yeah. Detroit or something like that, you know. 
it'd be outraged and it, it, they'd be in Congress and pro, you know, and all this different stuff. And, and it'll be a, uh, Auburn Hills relief, uh, bill named after someone. And often they singing Kumbaya and all that. They got the white face on it, on the TV and everything else. But because it happens in Flint, where it's predominantly black, poor whites, black and brown, poor white people, Right then, nobody cares. Everybody's getting sick, people dying, and people writing books about their experiences in the government under that time in Flint, Michigan. That's where it's going, uh, Doc. That's what it seems like. Unfortunately, I don't want to be pessimistic, but that's what it sounds where it's going. Well, that's exactly what it sounds like. Uh, just the other day, former Governor Dick Snyder, and I call him Dick because he screwed the city of Flint and all other <laughs> urban areas in Michigan. But his lawyer has been paid $3 million, and he said he needs some more money. The residents of Michigan are being forced to pay for his prosecution. Now, he is charged with a misdemeanor, well, two misdemeanors. And his lawyers have already gotten $3 million. That's just since he's been out of office. Since he has been in office, while he was in office, we were having to pay for two public relations firms plus some lawyers. Now, you, you're, you're putting up a defense on a misdemeanor. You're paying $3 million. If it was his own money, he wouldn't be doing it. But because it's on the backs of Flint folk, wow, he's able so, to do. So let me be. I, I want to be clear too, Doc, for the audience. So he is using Flint taxpayer money to defend himself from something he really caused, or knew about, or endorsed. Yes. Wow. And he's a wow. multimillionaire. Let's go back to the liars. The mayor here, the current mayor, has been telling the residents of Flint to go ahead and accept the $641 million settlement because we still have some other folks to sue, such as the U.S. government, the EPA. There's a couple other uh, contractors but also there are two banks that floated some illegal bonds, $85 million worth of bonds. Flint was already in the position that we could not borrow any money. So how do you get an $85 million bond passed? But, but this is where I'm going with this. We found out last night that to be a part of the EPA lawsuit, you had to sign up in 2015. Wow. We're in 2021. Jesus. And as the temptation say, and the band played on, Doc, I want to. I'm going to come back to how people can 
sort of a uh, um, fight against this in terms of of Flint. Um, but I want to go back and read this again. This is coming from uh, our, our friends at uh, Texas Southern, Robert Bullard. He's a professor there. Uh, he said, and I quote, going back to the 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 EPA and the, the uh, climate. These are communities that have already been hit hardest with COVID. He said. He said, they're they're the house their households are are working two minimum wage jobs. The essential workers who don't get paid if they don't go to work. And keep that in mind. Um, and that's end quote. And the reasons around this disproportionate suffering to the conditions that black communities are exposed to, including close proximities we talked about to industrial sites and exposing to higher instances of pollution, longer instances of response time to repair damages by natural disasters. We talked about hurricanes and things of that nature, lack of economic equality. Um, And for instance, housing projects are usually the first to lose power and the last to see power restored. Went on to say areas with large homeless populations worry as shelters, which are in these communities normally, or safe havens like churches are unable to service those need to due to power outages uh, or lack of water and other resources. And they said some who are fortunate enough to have cars are turning to their vehicles for electric power to keep their phones charged and, and of course, staying warm. You know, these might be people who might be homeless already um, that yeah. may have, have a car, you know. Um, and they said the lag in re- recovery time for black populations could to wear out longer due to the way Texas, and in this case, electricity markets is set up where prices can increase based on supply and demand. And they said over 600,000 residents have their power restored over uh, over uh, last night. Officials do warn that the adverse conditions could go on into the rest of the week. And then you add on the fact that here in North Carolina, where I am, and it's going up the East Coast, it's going to the Midwest, you have colder places, right? Colder places. With all due respect to those the blessing the suffering that's going on in Texas got even colder and even worse conditions in these black and brown communities. And you know the, the you know the professor's right. If it's a housing complex, their power goes off. We'll get to it when we get to it. Let them suffer. Yeah. It's all deliberate yeah. and it's all genocidal. But LA, that brings me to something I saw earlier that Ted Cruz is taking his family to Cancun. Of course. I saw that. But but the information you're sharing is right there in our faces. It can't be disputed, it cannot be denied, it cannot be discredited. These are conditions that we live with every day. It was said early on by Dr. Fauci, I believe, that 
because black and brown people have underlying medical conditions. They are dying from COVID. And I think that was an intentional statement. I correct people. I do not have underlying medical conditions. I have overwhelming medical conditions that can be exacerbated by the virus. If you find someone with diabetes, asthma, and I could go on and on and on, the diagnosis of diabetes can be life-changing. Trying to manage diabetes can be a challenge and stressful. Trying to afford your insulin, your needles, your meter, your test strips, that's overwhelming. If you have asthma, when you cannot breathe, that is stressful. Any one of those diseases can kill you by themselves without the virus. So when I said I believe the powers that be framed underlying conditions, this is what I mean. If you say it's underlying, you are minimizing those diseases. So if you minimize the importance of those diseases, if you minimize the effect those diseases have on individuals, families, and communities, you are most likely to minimize the funding needed. You're more likely to minimize the importance of what a certain population of people are dealing with, and you're most likely to underfund helping those individuals. So I say we have overwhelming medical conditions. Why are we spending so much money on the virus? After the virus has been arrested and we have achieved herd immunity, diabetes, heart disease, asthma, and all of those things will still be here. And they have been here for a long, long time. So where were the resources that we're expending now? Where were those resources to do diabetes research, asthma research, heart disease research? Something does not add up. Well, and, and, you know, if it, it's, it's something to be said for us to take care of ourselves. We know that. But if you're in the midst of that, it, you know, if, <laughs> if your parent says, I told you so, I told you so, and you get in trouble, right, it's kind of hard to hear, um, well, maybe not your parents. If someone's telling you don't do this and you do it and it's an accident or whatever, and then it happens, it doesn't really serve to to relive everything. It needs to be fixed. So we know the issue is 
we need to take care of ourselves better to avoid the diabetes and, and those different things, right? Myself included. Um, but at this point, now we need to see what we need to do. But but you're right. It has to be it has to be a vision beyond that. It has to be the problem's always been there. You know, welcome to the party. We already knew that a zillion people, I'm being facetious, you know, black people had diabetes. We already knew that. But you didn't treat it then. You didn't educate then. You didn't do the prevention then. Now you come in and and it's sort of after after the fact. Um, so, you know, I get to, to your point. I understand um, what you mean. And it, 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 do you think that the 1.9, almost 2 trillion, I think, dollars um, that President Biden's putting forth to this is going to not just um, the uh, health, but also prevention and education that needs to be in place to, to, to solve this, especially essentially um, in, in, in the black community. I don't know because there's so many people in the black community who say they will not take the vaccine. They don't trust it. They don't trust the folks who are pushing it. But even those, and it's a large number of black folks who do want it, they can't get it. They don't have access. There are no hospitals in their communities. There are no uh, pharmacies in their communities. The powers to be have not connected with the churches in the community. We see a lot of times around here, and I've seen it on the news, where if a brown and black community, if they're lucky enough to get the vaccine, you have well-to-do whites coming to the ghetto to get the vaccine. So it's some of it is access and some of it is excess. The Tuskegee experiment still looms large. That's right. And look it up, folks, black folks, if you don't know what the Tuskegee experiment is and what it was about. And why black folks are always leery and cautious when it comes to these vaccinations. I mean, look, across everybody's family, Dr. Bell, including mine, people don't, ain't, you know, we ain't trusting. We don't trust the police. We don't really trust doctors. I mean, right. it, you know, it, that's just two areas right there we just don't trust because of the history. And the history, like you said, it right in your face. It's right in your face, both. Yes, in L.A., as we we celebrate Black History Month, I want to remind people that the experience of inoculations was brought to this country from an African. That's true. When he came to to these shores, 
he showed the medical community this thing called inoculation. Shots, getting shots. Just a little known black history fact. Uh, and in Black History Month, which should be all day, every day, 365. Um, <clears throat> you know, uh, uh, Doc, the other, the other part of this is, is that um, when you look at, you mentioned the um, the way and the manner this COVID-19 vaccine is being distributed. Listen, I had a conversation with someone earlier. You know, in, in this country, you can get medical treatment, but that doesn't mean you get the right to have good or great even medical treatment is certainly based on your private health care. And if you have that, even if you have that, um, it's tough. I mean, if you are just on, on some kind of free, you know, insurance, you don't have any private medical insurance and yeah, they patch you up and they keep you moving. You go to the emergency room, they give you a little something to keep, keep it moving. When you got private, okay. They treat you a little bit better but you're still paying out of the ass in a lot of cases, right? So it it yeah. really, the healthcare system in this country, nobody addresses, just like um, gun control. Those are the two uh, most powerful, uh, in my opinion, um, that these these liars, the other liars, the politicians, um, you know, that they, you know, the allow happen. I want to read a couple of... Um, uh, notes that I got. One said that um, they don't treat; they make money off off of it. That's healthcare. The healthcare system is the wealth welfare system for those in position to take advantage of it. Uh, another comment was, I'm in um, that um, her mom is 82 with um, one lung and waiting because she doesn't trust it. So it really speaks to to both areas we were talking about, uh, Dr. Bell, in terms of the, the health care system and the fact that uh, uh, this person's mom is African-American. She's 82. She's got one lung, but she ain't trying to do anything because she don't trust what's going to happen to her. She's 82 years young, so she done been through, you know, God bless her. She yeah. done been through and seen some stuff. So she's not trying to get anything. And that that is part of the issue. So whether it's good for us or not, that's why I go back to the whole education part with this administration, making sure they get some some bona fide folks out there that we trust, that we love. If Barack Obama says it, I guess, to a certain degree, I, I'm, I'm not pl- pleased with him on the Flint stuff, but maybe he says it or Michelle or someone says it, and, they, and it's repetitive and it's sort of ingrained in our – it's subliminal, then maybe yeah. the, the numbers increase. But otherwise, people 80 and younger, are, nah, not for me. I'll take my chances without the, the vaccine. L.A., let me put this on the table. We're talking about health care. The Biden administration, they are reopening the insurance exchange so you can sign up for Obamacare, the Affordable Care right. Act. Right. So if there are some listeners who need to get signed up. It's a small window. So uh, look that information up. 
talking with, if you're just joining us, we'll talk with Dr. Lee Bell, motivational speaker, media personality, community activist, and, and longtime friend of mine here on the Bastion News Radio, the show on the Bastion News Radio Network, WCOM in, in Chapel Hill. Doc, I want to switch gears at a couple of different points before we get out of here, and I appreciate you staying on as long as you have. One, uh, a couple of quick ones, if, if as much as we can. There's a story coming out of um, uh, Fort Valley State, which is a historically black college um, and university, about a professor making some very insensitive comments, allegedly, right, about uh, Trayvon Martin. Uh, this professor's name, just to be to be frank and honest with it and put it out there, is Regina C. Butts, who, according to Fort Valley State, is an assistant professor and chair of the Business Administration and Economics Academic Department. Apparently, um, allegedly, what happened was that the a student identified as uh, Janai Dortilis tweeted, said that she um, said that she came into her class and the professor, uh, apparently she had a, or this person had a uh, hoodie on and the professor said, take your hoodie off, quote, take your hoodie off. You're not going for Skittles and sweet tea, end quote. Now, if you remember the, the Trayvon Martin uh, murder, he was going to the store for Skittles and tea. He had the hoodie on. And, of course, the, the murderer, George Zimmerman, uh, killed him. Uh, is it, it – it, it, it's, it's, it's a very insensitive thing to say. Um, is it a lack of ignorance? Is it – it, it, I, 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 we do not in the professor's head, but it's a lack of ignorance. But is that so profound? Is that so over the top that the professor should maybe not get a second chance, or or maybe there should be some under some clear understanding for the professor to understand that what they said. I don't even know if this professor is black. I'm assuming they're at the HBCU. I'm assuming they are. I don't know. Um, but that kind of comment. Which in this climate, what do you make of that, Doc? Um, you know, if that was said. My first question for you was going to be, was it a white professor or black? A lot of people I, I say think that. the person is black. I, I believe the person was black, but I, I don't want to. Um, and I'm going to definitely look it up and make sure. I, I thought I had it, but I, I don't have it. Um, for, for me, that's even important. for me, that's important to know if he was black or white, and it makes a difference to me because if the professor was black, I would err towards it not being a malicious comment. And Doc, she she was black. She's black. Okay, Gina C. Butts. I'm looking at her picture now. She's black. I'm going to give her a second chance only because they were at a HBCU and also in that HBCU professor relationship. 
the comment could have come from a place of familiarity. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Right. To sort of education, like we're not, you know, I'm not going to allow you, you know, we know that this is a bad thing and she, maybe she's trying to relate it, if you will, to that situation, to that murder. Right. I'm, I mean, and I'm coming from the thought process that the professor and the students, they were on very good terms, almost like they may have lived in the same neighborhood or something. Mm. I would have to see where she was coming from. Now, if she was coming from that familiar, I know you, we connect lane. I would give her a second chance, but if it was meant to be hurtful, then no second chance. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a tough situation. Go ahead. Sometimes, I mean, if we're friends, there are certain things I could say to you, Reggie, and some other people, whereas there are some other people I couldn't say the same things to them. Right. Well, then playing advocate is that then should we apply that um, when black people say uh, white people say nigger and then we say, what's up, my nigger? That is okay for black people to say it because we coming from the same place as opposed to white folks saying it and they saying it a certain way. Is it is it wrong for us to even sort of engage in that? that area I, I, I trying to relate it to what you know what was said and in in terms of the the skittles and the sweet tea to Trayvon Martin murder for me I don't use the word and I don't allow right, it I know you to don't. be around me but I have actually had two occasions one was related to me by my sister she worked at a bank, and her and this white lady, you know, they got to be kind of familiar. But the white lady asked my sister, why can't I call you nigger? Y'all call each mm-hmm. other. And then I was doing a undoing racism workshop, and very early on, two young white girls came and asked me the very same question. Why can't we call you that? Y'all call each other that. Now, these instances with the white girls in the racism class, they had only been in the class for like a week. So there was no friendship, no bonding or anything. This is just out the blue. This is what was on their minds. Wow. Right off the jump, they 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 asked that yeah. question, and and I I I think I remember your response, but you can give give that response uh, to folks. To be honest, I don't remember at this moment. <laughs> <laughs> I know it had to be something really good, though, knowing you, it had to be some some really good answer. Uh, uh, final question: We talked about Georgia earlier in our our interview. And Brian Kemp, who ironically stole, you want to talk about stealing an election, 
with voter uh, suppression in Georgia and, 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 and Stacey Abrams did not win because of that um, is, is the governor there in Georgia. He announced reform surrounding a and, – and think about this, uh, Doc. He announced a reform surrounding a Civil War era citizen's arrest law yesterday, a couple of days ago, which was initially cited as a reason to not pursue charges against the killers of Omar uh, Arbery. You know, he was jogging and he got shot by the, the former police officer and the, um, and the, the uh, officer's son. Uh, with some exceptions, the proposed bill will prevent private citizens from conducting arrests on others. The new bill proposed by him states that a detained person must be released if authorities do not arrive within a, an hour. He went on to say, quote, Ahmad was a victim of vigilante style of violence. There's no place in Georgia, blah, 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 blah. So first of all, two points for me. Number one, they still, they still can hold you for an hour until police arrive. So a lot can happen in an hour. You still can get or shot. Two, an hour and, or two, right. depending, depending on where you live, what, what is the police response where you live? I mean, sometimes exactly. around... So you still can get some, killed. Sometimes and, around and the second, here, they don't even they, show I up. Say, I know, and then, well, yeah, welcome to the party. But But the other part of it is, too, Doc, that this is a civil war bill. This is something going back to the civil war, folks. So LA. they're changing something that's been around for over what? I mean, it's just astounding. And it's so many. The scary thing is, Doc. Now I know you're gonna answer. Scary thing is, it, there are a lot of more, a lot more Georgias around here with these these old civil war. Um, Jim Crow type uh, If you bring it further than the Civil War Bills uh, uh, Laws on the on the books In these states that allow These, I want to say some other Stuff, these racists, I want to say something Else, to, to allow Them to, to be killing us on the Street like we animals in the, in the Pasture Without a doubt I am almost tempted to Pivot <laughs> What, what what do you think about the Klan uh, lawsuit coming out of Mississippi? I think it's a rep- joke. I, I yeah, I no. I mean, I think that I think he he he, he was really clever. You talking about the um, uh, the, the congressman, right? The, I don't. I just think it. Uh, I I don't think any of this stuff. I hate to be so pessimistic. Uh, until we have real change, see, people don't understand. Um, you know, it may be even if it's a law in Georgia, you have what we call the federal government, so people can go and file an appeal with the courts, and they go over the court, the court, and court, and they can win their case. And if they win their case, then you go backwards back to the Civil War. So even if you have a you know, a, a case we've seen, um, Dr. Bell with, you know, I've been, um, kind of reengaging myself with Thurgood Marshall and watching some documentaries on him and Brown versus Board of Education and, and some of these other, um, 
uh, cases he had as an attorney before he became a Supreme Court justice, uh, that a lot of this stuff gets overturned. And so I guess what I'm saying, I guess what I'm thinking is that until the old die, until um, hearts and minds agree, we're always going to have this issue. You're always going to have these racist people. They're always going to, instead of having um, robes, they got gavels. Instead of um, them being some crazy dude with a animal thing on his um, his body, going to the the state in D.C. saying we taking back our country, we got doctors and lawyers that live amongst us that are doing the same thing, and they're hiding behind it. Until all of that stops. You know, we're always going to have this fight. I want to look at it half full, but this is what it is. The more things change, the more they stay the same. They just change. David Duke said, what are you doing? Why are you wearing masks? Just wear a suit. Wear a suit. Get, get amongst them. Live amongst them, even if you have to. And we get our work done that way. You know, look at the, the Lynch letters, Doc. In Virginia, Willie Lynch, the slave owner, said, what are you doing? Why are you beating these people? Just take the darkies and the, and the lighties, make them envious and, and don't like each other. And you, you don't have to beat them. They won't run away. They want to be there. They're going to hate each other. These are the things that's been going on for from the Middle Passages to, to 2021. So I, I'm not I'm not, you know, enthusiastic about lawsuits and things because the lawsuits are going to the same judges that don't like us so they can hide behind all kinds of laws and and have the sense and 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 pass things under the uh, under you know because in in their hearts they really don't like us and they have the power to to bring forth those things so that's a long answer for you doc but i you know i i don't believe in these lawsuits unless there's real change behind it real change is going to keep doing what you're doing and you know even in some cases in my opinion you you got the strong arm some stuff can't allow these people you can't do this hearts and minds and hearts and prayers thing all the time you got to strong arm some stuff and right you know black america i don't think is really completely understanding that doc you get it there's a balance but a lot of us don't seem to get that And that's the problem. Well, stemming from my other, well, I'll say tie-barring from my other question, how much legislation is being proposed in state houses that will hinder black and brown folks from voting? Well, that's rhetorical because the, the, I mean, really, you can say how much of the state legislators are in favor of that. And then now you got to go back to voter suppression and, and redistricting and gerrymandering and all those different things. Black communities that are, are um, represented by white conservative or even extreme people. Or just extreme people, because black folks, you know, we got one in South Carolina that voted to acquit this idiot, and he black, 
So I mean, yeah. you know, so it doesn't really matter. Um, it, it's so it really, I think it, and that's where it starts, Doc. And you get that the the fact is that people get caught up in the president voting for the president. They forget about judges and congressmen and aldermen and mayors and police chiefs and city officials and everything. Those votes really matter more in your life than the presidency. Presidency is four years, you know, every four years. So, you know, you know, senators and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. Those local races uh, have a more direct impact on your quality of life than the president. Yep. And and people need to under understand that. So I want to pivot back to to you and and the Flint water crisis. But not only that. Before you go, the the um, poor people's campaign. Um, in terms of where that is, I know I get the emails all the time, and they they send local stuff that I'm engaged in. But um, with with Flint, I I mentioned, you know, as. <laughs> Nobody's really being held accountable. So where do they go? And and in terms of this lawsuit, uh, give out the information on how people, if they decide, you said to, to uh, uh, you know, file for this. Said I think, believe you said in March is the deadline that they can kind of get involved with this. Well, L.A., let me do this because we are about to mount an offensive that hopefully will change some face of the future. Our former mayor, Dr. Karen Weaver, now has a Monday through Friday radio show from 7 to 9 on Superstation 9, 10 a.m. If your audience wants to follow the latest developments in the water crisis, the station is out of Detroit. You can get the app from the Play Store. Uh, just put in 9, 10 a.m. Superstation. Or you can listen on their website, www.910 a.m. Superstation. That would be the easiest way to connect. And it, anything um, coming up specifically with the uh, Poor People's Campaign? Uh, and, and incidentally, we need to get um, the former mayor on. I know you have ties with her. But we need to get her on to talk about what she's doing and talk about her uh, broadcast. Okay, I'll try to make that happen as soon as possible. And the Poor People's this- Campaign? Uh, I'm not doing much right now with them. I stepped away for a month. I know Reverend Barber and the team, they're still trying to recruit people, even after the pandemic has devastated much of the country. Uh, People are not flocking to the campaign. Well, that's unfortunate, but um, we'll make sure we have... um that information and again uh doc if you can get with the mayor uh we certainly would love to have her on and she can uh, tell us what's going on um and 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 give her out her um her information on her her broadcast as well doc uh as always sir um i appreciate you i, I appreciate your um mentorship and 
and, and all that you do for this broadcast. I love you, man. You be safe. Be careful. And we'll talk with you next week, sir. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you, L.A., as always, for having me in the bachelor pad. Thanks, Doc. Appreciate you. Dr. Lee Bell, motivational speaker. He's a media personality and community activist uh, uh, joining us, dealing with a lot of things. The Flint water crisis there in Flint, Michigan, where people are literally sick and dying with legionnaires and everything. The water, and no one is in jail. Like, nobody's been accounted for this. They knew about it, just like number 45 knew about COVID-19 on a national scale um, this governorship and, and all of his um, folks that work for him knew about it they covered it up and just like them former Governor Snyder who I'm talking about and number 45 they covered it up and nobody's going to jail nobody's held accountable for it so now we have water crisis and people getting sick in Flint and we have COVID-19 on top of all of that nationally and in Flint and, and the similarities is nobody is being held accountable for it and in these black communities the scenarios situations are even worse so you know we can be law abiding um, we can do what we need to do um, but the other side can go to Washington, D.C. and take their damn <laughs> country back. <laughs> I'm laughing because it's it's ridiculous. Meanwhile, our black asses are dying, so it's okay for our asses to die, and they can take their country back, though. Take their country back. Wasn't here before Native Americans, but they're going to take their damn country back. Six four six nine two nine zero one three zero. The number to get in touch with us. Uh, it's the Bastard News Radio Show on the Bastard News Radio Network and our sister station in Chapel Hill and Carborough, North Carolina. WCOM. Listen to them too on WCOMFM.org. And of course, if you miss any part of the this broadcast or any, make sure you go to. Uh, the Bachelor News Radio Network Bachelor with a T Bachelor News Radio Network dot com We will continue Stay here Don't go anywhere On the show Bachelor Jr. And he's Kevin Bachelor. And this is Smooth Smooth Say. And you're listening to The Bachelor News Radio Show. On the Bachelor News Radio Network.
Back to the show, the Bachelor News Radio Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network, and uh, our good friends at WCOM, of course, WCOM LP Chapel Hill and Carborough. If you miss any part of our broadcast, you go to our website, uh, the Bachelor News Radio Network. I'm going to bring in my guest. He is the men's basketball coach at St. Augustine College. Of course, they're not flying at this point. The Falcons, they're uh, grounded due to, unfortunately, COVID-19. Uh, he is Marcus Johnson. And, Coach Johnson, it's always a pleasure to have you on, sir. Uh, thank you, uh, L.A., for having me on. I really appreciate this. I really enjoy it. Hey, coach, where were you when you got the word well, let's backtrack. When you found out how bad COVID was going to be and maybe started hearing some rumors about cancellations and then they just canceled it all. I know 
when I I got to I just finished covering the CIAA. It was a week after the MEAC was coming up. I went all the way to uh, Norfolk, got to the arena, and they canceled it. Everything. NCAA <laughs> shut everything down. Needless to say, I was not a happy camper. But where were you when everything started taking place? Uh, actually, Ellie, I was out recruiting uh, when I got the, the word as far as when things uh, was going to shut down um, last year. And it was just it was just amazing just watching how things, it was just a domino effect on the way the sports world was just uh, just got shut down. So I was out recruiting, and then next thing I know, the the next day, the event was shut down. So I had to stay around for a day, you know, and doing, thinking I was going to see some basketball, but basketball was canceled. So I ended up coming back home, and, you know, and, and then, you know, we saw how everything was then. It had to be, I mean, a, a stunner to say the least. Um, and, and let me just ask this uh, question personally. Um, I, I won't get into you know the commissioner and the, the you know the uh, the conference did the the right thing. But what was your first reaction when it happened? Like, oh, you know, what are we going to do? Or um, you know, based on what we knew at the time. Um, this was a smart decision. What was what was your first thoughts? Uh, my first thoughts were the the uh, the well being of the players um, because uh, mentally I knew they were already fragile from not having a traditional preseason. Um, so that was my immediate thought was the players. How can I get them under control mentally to understand that you know this is probably for the best interest uh, for the welfare and you know, healthy for our players uh, just to get them on the, on the same page and understand that, you know, the season even though we're not having a season this year you know, make sure you can come back and we can get things going and we are going to do some type of, you know, workouts in the spring, but, you know, mainly just talking with them to let them understand that, you know, this is just, I know it's a bump in the road now, it seems like a mountain but it's just a small piece of life that we have to, what we call adjust and adapt not only pivot, but we have to adjust and adapt. This is just one of the things that we just had to do as far as adapting. If you're just joining us, of course, we're talking with Marcus Johnson. He is the uh, men's basketball coach at uh, uh, St. Augustine's uh, University Falcons um, and the whole entire CIAA uh, conference and, of course, uh, uh, others have canceled all uh, basketball uh, this season. And, and, and Coach, I, I'm glad you said that um, because I've had I won't get into uh, names and universities and things, but I have I've had some people on, and I've read and uh, know of some others who decided that they were going to play. And unfortunately, it doesn't make a difference in terms of you know COVID seasonal color, um, but I think it's it could be potentially dangerous if you're uh, HBCU and you put these kids out there and they're on campus and everything else and God forbid something happens then then it's really a mess. That, that, that is that is true um, but, but one thing I've, I've, I've been talking with other coaches and you know just looking at the, the situation the only way to really not contract it or stop it is you have to stay in your, your house and go from your living room to your bedroom to the bathroom <laughs> right. to the kitchen. <laughs> you know, so, you know, every, every, anytime you leave the house, there, there is a risk of you possibly getting exposed. 
Uh, but I think I commend my my guys that I think they they did a good job of handling uh, the safety measures that we put in place for them um, at the time, and we were able to get some work in, some practices in. Um, but you know, unfortunately, you know the way things were as far as with the conference, as far as with the school situation, um, I think it was just too much to bear and too much uh, risk uh, that they didn't want to you know really put us out there like that. If you're joining us, we're talking with uh, Marcus Johnson, uh, uh, six seasons, I believe, under his belt at uh, St. Augustine College and um, I mean University, and um, known for great recruiting and, and certainly known for guys who can light it up. Uh, certainly, uh, if you look at um, the three-point shooters and Tyree Gathright and, and guys like that. Um, it, you know, one of the things, too, I talk with other uh, coaches we've had on. We have Robert Jones. I'm sure you know him, Norfolk State, some others on. And it was really hard, and I, I know it has to be. If you had seniors that didn't get, not only didn't get a chance to finish their senior year, but in, in, the, in the best, I'm sorry, the best basketball, men and women's basketball tournament on the planet, and that's the CIAA tournament they didn't get to do that did you have um seniors a, a bunch of them uh, not knowing your complete roster um and if so how did they handle it how did you handle it with them um well one way i handled it is like we, i always work with them on the middle side of the game and not only just athleticism so we we i sat them down and we talked about it because the, you know the one thing i will commend the ncaa on is that they did allow players the opportunity to come back next year. So they all see that as a good opportunity as far as getting the year older, mature, not only in the classroom, I mean, not only in the weight room and in the, in the, on, the, on the court, but also in the classroom, and being able to, you know, concentrate on your schoolwork and, and just work on your uh, game and your skills to try to get better for next year. And that's the main thing I keep trying to tell them is that this, this year is going to pass by. And we're going to get to next year. We just have to be ready when that year comes. And don't waste this time, you know, while in despair because at the end of the day, nobody really gives cares about your feelings. So you got to, you know, put your bootstraps on and let's get to work and let's, you know, be prepared. So when the time comes next year in August, we're ready to go. Yeah, that, amen to that. And, it, you know, no, it, and, you know, even with some. I, you know, Miak and 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 uh, well, the SWAC definitely, and some other schools playing, uh, and and we're talking with the coaches, even the ones that are playing. Like, I mean, you don't know if the game's canceled. You can't really practice. Um, it, it's just so many restrictions. If you were playing, how would you handle that? How how does that even look in the midst of COVID nineteen? I tell you, like that was that's a that's a tough one to ask because you know with it's hard. It would be hard because we have our students on campus, so we're not able to put our players in a so-called bubble. Uh, the main thing that we just kept, uh, you know, pounding in their head was just stay safe, wear your mask, wash your hands, keep your circle tight, um, and and don't try to do anything extra. And that it's a tough thing for a kid to deal with, a young kid, a young a young adult. But at the same time, if we want to get this season moving and with no interruptions, that was, that's what we we're going to have to do. And it was going, it was tough. I mean, we had to deal with it when we were practicing, 
um, luckily a week or two we were able to be in a you know little bubble. But before that, you know, guys uh, had to just you know really stay in their rooms, go to the gym, stay in your rooms, go to the gym, um, and and that was uh, and it was an adjustment. It was an adjustment. But I think I think as far as we you know we have to give these kids uh, credit that you know they they were able to adjust. They were able to adapt. Um, and I got to, I think that they did a great job of doing that. How has it been for you personally? Um, you know, again, it's some people have had, you know, um, unfortunately, uh, we pray for them that lost people uh, due to this. But how has it been for you personally and your and your family? Uh, it's, it's been a, it's uh, I keep going back to these words. It's been an adjustment. Um, a lot of people don't realize I had COVID back in July. Uh, for about two and a half weeks, which was uh, it, it was tough. I've had family members that that's had it. Um, but one thing I've been able to do is, you know, I have a son that plays high school basketball. Actually, I just left his game um, to come out here to, to talk with you. Is that that's what I do a lot now? Is I spend a lot more time with him um, because I, you know, normally I'm practicing at this time, but now I'm able to go see him a little more and, and see what he's doing, and also I'm able to get into. Uh, some high schools and some practices of, of schools where I, you know, typically sometimes it's been tough to, to get over. Uh, so that's, that's one thing I've been able to do, you know, and just looking at it. I'm trying to turn the negative to a positive and, and get out and just uh, see as much basketball as I can um, and put my eyes on kids and, and spend as much time with my son as I can you know, while he's uh, at his, uh, in his teenage years. Yeah, and, you know, being from Nightdale and here and, you know, knowing kids at Central and Shaw, you coach there and stuff, I'm sure it, it, it allows you to be able to have some some connections. And I, I'm not going to hold you uh, longer. And I know with, with, with my kids, uh, you know, younger than, a little bit younger than yours, I mean, it, I mean we bonded because of this. So it's, it's, you know, some, it's good. You know, my, my new name is Daddy, though, but, I mean, other than that, you know, but other than that. But what about the kids? Um, how how are your players doing? Uh, are they coming to you with concerns or any sicknesses or and or um, uh, are they receiving any sort of uh, counseling to get through this? Because it's a mental thing to be secluded and indoors all the time. It's got to be stressful. It, it definitely is, and... Um and actually, early on in the season, um, back in first semester, back in I think it was in October, November, I did bring in a psychologist to talk with them. Um, and we were doing that probably once a uh, once a month. We were bringing the psychologist. And I'm gonna get back to that. We haven't done it this uh, semester yet because kids just got back on campus last week. So we're going to do that more to just bring a counselor in to talk with them um, because it is tough. I mean, I, I, I it's, it's, it has it has it has affected me as well mentally uh so i know it's affecting them uh, because you know i got told somebody yesterday i told my class i said it's the first time in 38 years i haven't had a basket i haven't been able to go to a basketball practice and actually participate so it's an adjustment for me it's a huge adjustment so i definitely understand their pain um but they're able to talk and they know they can come to my office and we talk about it at times but like i tell them all the time is that you know the lord will not give them anything put anything on them that they can't bear uh, so therefore, this too shall pass, and we're going to get through this, and and we're going to get through this together, and you know when we do get through this, we're going to you know we're going to be even better for this. Yeah, and you know the Lord doesn't make any mistakes, so you're right. You can come mm-hmm. out on the other side better. Final question yeah. for you: um, 
I know you said you're probably going to do some stuff in the spring. Is there a solid game plan, or again with COVID, you just don't know at this point? You you have sort of a little bit direction uh, moving forward. Yes, our, our game plan right now is to really treat it just like a uh, like a regular postseason. Um, so uh, we're going to get in the weight room. We're going to get some skill development in, and we're going to go for about six to eight weeks. Um, and, and we're going to hit it hard to 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 develop to get better and like I got to we're not going to waste this these months um and wallow in despair because we're not playing we want to get better and, and so we can come back next year even stronger so we can be able to compete for a championship he's had success at uh mm-hmm. St. Augustine University in six years of course uh, uh coached in uh, the CBL and and done well there Marcus Johnson I appreciate mm-hmm. you sir you be well be safe God bless you and your family we'll talk with you soon sir same to you LA and I appreciate it thank you I'm Emily Oxenschlager, assistant producer for Tell Me More, and one of the people in black history who I remember most is Zora Neale Hurston. She was an author, folklorist, and anthropologist who is perhaps most famous for her novel, Their Eyes Were Watching God. She was proud of where she grew up, Eatonville, Florida. It was one of the first all-black towns to be formed after the Emancipation Proclamation and the first such community to become incorporated. To this day, when I read her work, I'm instantly transported to the world she must have seen before her. I can feel the humid summer nights of Eatonville on the back of my neck. I can draw inspiration from the strong women she writes about, women I imagine to be a lot like the fiercely independent Hurston herself. Armed with her notebook in hand, eyes and heart wide open, Zora Neale Hurston was ready to document life in words and ways rarely used before, and few have been able to replicate since. Hurston herself once said, there is no agony like bearing an untold story inside you. Thankfully for us, hindsight is twenty twenty, and the stories inside Zora Neale Hurston are getting the recognition and readership they deserve. That was Emily Oxenschlager, assistant producer for Tell Me More, paying tribute to author Zora Neale Hurston. To browse the full series of Tell Me More Black History Month essays, log on to npr.org and in the search field type Black History Heroes.
Bachelor News Radio Show. I'm L.A. Bachelor. It's the Bachelor News Radio Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network and uh, WCOM, our sister station in Chapel Hill. Don't forget, if you miss any part of the broadcast, you can go to our uh, website, thebachelornewsradionetwork.com. You can also listen to the broadcast, the uh, sports versions on WCOM.org um, at, uh, on Sunday mornings and and Wednesday overnights as well. We'll get into specifics as well on that. Speaking of sports and speaking of uh, good sports, uh, I want to bring in my a longtime friend and uh, editor-in-chief of Black Athlete Sports Newsroom. And, of course, he is um, the co-host of this show. He is Tony T. Mac McLean. And good evening to you, Mac. How's it going? Good. Want to get right into uh, a baseball. Uh, obviously, um, the season will be starting um, coming up, and there is going to be some firsts, according to some of the things, the interesting things that I had read. Like, um, obviously, um, it's going to be emphasis on uh, AL East against NL East, Central, Central, West, West. But I know. Uh, your Mets and my Yankees will be playing uh, the weekend of September 11th. I think this is the first, I think, of them playing on the anniversary, the 20th anniversary, uh, surprisingly, already 20 years of that tragic day they'll be playing uh, then. But then you have uh, a lot of matchups that we saw in the playoffs. Dodgers will be playing the Nationals in April. The Braves will be playing the Cardinals. Um, and then, of course, uh, the first game in, in at the all you know the All Star game be played at, at uh, the old um, gonna be played in the uh, in in Atlanta first time in 2000, and then the final day of the regular season is gonna feature multiple I think up to 12 divisional games, and you would think yeah, if there are a lot of cool races, right? That's yeah, going to be gonna, I think that puts it more. Ex- 
basically opening day, everybody plays. And the last day of the year, which is something they've been doing for a while, everybody plays. But thankfully, you won't get those interleague games that last that last game is going to be uh, divisional games with the with the you know with the possibility of some divisions and wild cards being right. uh, decided, which which makes sense. I mean, I like and, 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 and I, I like interleague games, but I think the last month of the season it should be division games. Just you know, I think it should be right. you get them get them out the way. Right, and I think that's that's that brings it to makes it more exciting. And speaking of that, when you look at the changes, I know with the DH uh, scenario and uh, the seventh inning thing there. When you look at the changes, uh, is baseball kind of getting it right uh, in the midst of the COVID and the short season and all that? Are, are they doing the things they need to do? Not just from the safety, obviously, it should be first and foremost, right? You could talk about that too, but also making the, the 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 fans be excited. I'm in, I'm I'm excited for baseball right now. I'm excited to, to to see what they're doing. I was excited hell last year. We talked about it that what they did with the playoff system which it should stay in, in place permanently in my opinion, but but what do you think about the changes in terms of the excitement and the safety? Well, I'm I'm sorry. I I I think the putting the uh Base, putting someone on base in the tenth inning is I, that, that's asinine. I don't like that at all. I think you should. No, I, I don't like that one. I, don't. I, 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 they, I think they have to have the universal DH. Uh, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm tired of all these quote unquote, um, for lack of a better word, I'm tired of all these white folks that need to be led kicking and scratching into the 21st century. Um, you need the DH. You know, there's only a handful of pitchers that can hit. Uh, you know, I I don't I don't need to see guys doing their best Tim Tebow impersonations, um, you know, <laughs> three four times a game. Let me you know give me give me an extra. And I know and I know people are going to say I'm biased because I'm a Met fan because I'd like I'd like to see. But no, I just I just think it's just I think it's better baseball. You know, I, I just I no, just but you you know, but the the non but but T the non. The 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 well no not now but the baseball purists are like this is they they jump for joy with this you know like you know they don't want the DH anyway they don't want it in either league let alone when you're on the road this and that and all those type of things well it's not, so they it's they're not excited it's not completely dead yet um, you know they had the uh, you know they had the thing where they they sort of. Uh, force the players to sort of sign a deal that they didn't want to, uh, and and the owners and the players basically said, you know, no, they, and, you know, they're, they're still, you know, um, the CBA is up after this year, so that that's another, you know, that's another Damocles sword that's hanging over uh, this season, but that's another that's another conversation in and of itself. But um, it's still in, it still could possibly happen. Um, I believe there's there. Put it this way, as of right now, and spring training has always has already started, and games actually begin on the 28th, which is next Sunday. Um, there is still the possibility of the extra wild cards and the D and the universal DH. Um, if you remember, they did it sort of late. Uh, they did it sort of well during the um, time of when the season was still up in the air. So it could still possibly happen. So a lot could change. And see, 
I'm looking forward to, but I'm also, and, I, and I'm not trying to be a killjoy, but we'll wait and see. You know, we see uh, what's going on in the NBA and NHL, and they're like, um, you know, between COVID and the uh, brutal weather that's all across uh, the different parts of the country, things are being canceled. Um, you know, the first full weekend of college baseball has all been wiped out this weekend because of all the crazy weather in Texas. A lot of HBCUs were going to start playing ball this weekend, but everything's been pushed back. So, you know, we'll, yeah. you know, I hate this, you know, again, not just trying to be a killjoy, but just kind of, but just, we'll, we'll see how things play out. But I'm not, I, I, I don't think that uh, we're, I'm not ready to give up on the extra, but we, we may still get what we had last year, but see, they still want to play 162 games, and they're not going to play 162 games this year. They're just not. I mean, I, I think, I, I think maybe in a perfect world they may get uh, maybe 140 or so between um, you know rainouts and COVID stuff. And see, they're also toying with the idea of opening up the uh, parks in spring training for like 10 to 20 percent capacity. So it's it's you know they're they're trying to recoup their losses, but again, you know let let's be honest here. The only thing that's changed is the calendar. You know people are still dying, and uh, and all this other stuff. You know, I was talking with um, someone today. They were thinking maybe all the bad weather will sort of kill, um, you know, will knock the virus out. It'd be cool. It'd be great. I, I would love for that to happen. But um, we'll see. It's Right now, it's going to be it's going to be very ambitious. But I but um, I'd be shocked if they got 162 games in this year. I agree, and that you know I mean, really, when uh, they're playing with fire, if they're going to start having people come in the spring training games. But I digress. But what happened with the deal? Why were the players so? And I won't say eager, but why did they go along with this? It's it's uh, their posture. They're, well, both sides are posturing because you know the owners, the owners are going to play everything out to the fans, and they're always going to and see they're always going to try to play themselves out. Well, we we you know we did it, we did this, but the player said no. And and again, it's 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 their posturing on both sides. Um, I'm not really sure why it was turned why it was turned down. I think um again they're go- now as of, as of right now they're going to be paid uh like it's going to be 162 games. Um to be honest with you, I think um the the uh I think the whole DH thing is basically being played out like a sort of a for lack of a better word, a political football, um, and and that's why because um, even though they said that they're going to pay them 162 for 162 game season, they're also trying to um, take more from the uh, revenue share as well because I think I think in baseball it's uh, 55 45 players. And, you know, the owners want to try to, I believe they're trying to do a 60-40. And the players are saying no. But there's going to have to be some sort of a compromise at some point because everybody lost money last year. And 
all you're seeing now, and you're seeing it in the NBA and NHL, they're trying to get their money back by hook or by crook. Uh, you know, we saw how the how the NFL um, did it this year when they you know playing games. They just for the first time ever, all games were played on every day, every calendar day, every day of the week this year because of between the COVID stuff and and, and everything else. But um. You know, we'll we'll see how we got. You know, we'll see how things play out. And again, I'm I'm trying not to be a killjoy, but a lot really hasn't changed from a year ago at this time. So, well, you're not really being a killjoy. You're being realistic, um, and that's really that's really where it is. I mean, in terms of how many they play, and then you know, the, the CBA. God forbid if the, if this COVID's gone into Next year, and the CBA is on the table, then you really have some serious negotiations that are going to uh, take place. Talking with Tony T. Mac McLean here on the Basketball News Radio Show. Um, see, I-, I wanted to look at some teams, and you can throw in some that you would give the best and worst case scenarios. Um, and and maybe go to a team in each division. So I'll start in the American League East. I won't do Boston or, or New York because we always do those. But we let's talk about Toronto. I mean, obviously they bring in Springer. Um, they could certainly bash the ball. Um, it certainly they may they they their pitching might be good, but the worst case scenario maybe. Those people they brought in, uh, those those uh, free agents, don't pan out. What do you see the best and worst case scenario for Toronto? I think they'll be in the mix. I I, I um, you know they they definitely added more firepower to the to the to an already potent lineup. But they're going to go as far as their pitch, plain and simple. You know, there's there's going to be they're going to be leaning on uh, Ryun. Uh, Ryu a lot, you know. He's going to be he's going to be the uh, what you know, he's going to be the uh, the the ace. They're hoping, I think, that a couple of their folks from from within will take it to another level. I forget the name of their one of their number one prospects. Uh, they you know they played him a little bit last year, and and he showed up and he showed well. Um, they're going to be in the mix. I. I I look at them being more of a contender than uh, Tampa, to be quite honest. I, I think, you know, coming off of a World Series loss, and plus the fact that they, they, you know, they let some, you know, most importantly, I feel they let their best starting pitchers, both of their best starting pitchers, go. You know, Charlie Morton and Blake Snell. Um, and I also think. I think there's going to be some residual effects of uh, Kevin Cash's uh, analytics um, moment, and and I and I think Toronto, I think um, I think Toronto can take advantage of that because Tampa is I I I think Tampa's window to win was basically taken was 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 basically taken away from them by their manager, and then they and then uh, management didn't. Um, Bring these guys back, so yeah. There's, there's, right, you know, I was gonna say. I, I, I they say, lost a lot too. And see, I, and see, I think that decision 
it's going to hurt them a lot more than they realize because you don't, you know, especially when you realize that how much of a percentage those two guys were a part of that team. You know, you just can't let two. I mean, you let you basically let a, a, a you're basically letting uh, an innings eater and a former Hall and, and a former Cy Young walk, and you expect to still be in contention. No, at at some point, you know. At some point, in a small uh, market, which they're not going out to spend money and take on salaries and and even in trades to take on, you know what I mean? They, that's that's even worse for them. And I and I get it that they've got a great farm system, but you know what good is the farm system is if you're gonna let them walk after after they want uh, after they want their money? Even even with this uh, kid. Um, um, the, the kid that hit all the home runs, uh, uh, Rosarena, is he still going to be there after this year? Is he even going to still, you know, at some point he's going to want to get paid, and they're going to they're going to let him go. That's you know, that's yeah. why I've always you know, that's why it's I've always been very hard on them, and it's very tough for me to embrace them because they're they're, they're basically uh, like the Marlins when they do get a little bit of success. They let the roster. I mean, even even you know even the Marlins are going to probably keep their players longer at this point in time. Right. right now. And even in Florida, where it's already tough to even keep people in the seats because so much to do in the Sunshine State in that type of year. I mean, that and, and, you know that and, time of the year, I should say. And you notice I didn't mention COVID with either one of them. That's just that's just a, that, that that that's a given. That's a given. Right. And in a state with a crazy governor that doesn't do, seem to give a damn about COVID uh, for the first place. Um, I, I look at the Central. You, you look at Minnesota. They always seem to be a player. Obviously, the White Sox making changes, the, the new changes uh, there. I've been yeah. picking them for the last couple of years. They've been burning me pretty bad. Um, but but the Indians, again, I, I mean, I I, I their upside to me is down losing Lindor and Carrasco and Santana and Brad Hand and all all these guys. I, I, I mean, they're they're the, the the bigger market, if you will, in a, a way. Um, uh, a, a Tampa, where you lose all these people, you know, you, you got a guy that might compete for Cy Young um, there. But what's the upside and the downside with Cleveland? I see them maybe just as a 500 ball club. I mean, for the first time in in, in a little while, there's not an expectation. Uh, I do think the two kids that uh, they that 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 they traded for Lindor, I think uh, that's basically going to be the new Omar and Alomar for them for the next ten years. I you know, but you know, you had to give up something to get an All Star. Um, I think Jimenez. And um, Rosario, you know, barring injury or what have you, I think that's your double play combination for the next 10 years. I, I, you know, like I think they could, you know, I, I truly think they could be Vizquel and uh, Alomar for them. Now, will they build around not Now, are they going to build more around it? That's the whole thing. Now, um, they do, you know, they have, the, they have the reigning Cy Young Award winner. They still have a tad bit of pitching. The thing with them this year is because of lowered expectations, that may actually work to their advantage. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. And I, you know, I mean, they, they're they're well managed, and so you know, 
it, it probably, I guess, with the the losses. I mean, you can't lose a guy Landor and 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 Carrasco and those guys and expect that you're just gonna walk in <laughs> to this season oh, no. No. and, and be a playoff even, contender. And even if they had kept, you know, even if they had kept Lindor coming into the season, you know, the the speculation and everything else. Um, was going to be a distraction. At least now it's a sort of thing where okay, we know that they're not, you know, we know that they're gone, and now we, you know, now we go from there. But again, and again, it might be maybe I'm seeing it through um, because I, you know, watch these guys play. I think they're going to be fine now. Now again, I'm not, you know, it's going to be an adjustment. But I, I think I, you know, I, I, if nothing else. They have got their double. They've, they've got their double play combination. I feel for the next ten years, for whatever it's worth. Yeah, I, I, I agree with the, the talent. You got to bring in some talent if you're going to let a guy like that go in the first place. Um, American League West. You you look at um, Oakland and again like like uh, Minnesota sort of there in the mix all the time. And the, the, the Angels intrigue me because they have. Arguably the best player, if not the best player, some people say, and Trout, you know, Baird and, and Rendon, and uh, but Upton's getting older, right? And that lineup is getting a little bit older now. Um, I'm concerned about their bullpen. Uh, I, I mean, Iglesias is good, but uh, I mean, they don't really seem like they have the bullpen or the the pitching staff to compete. Um, what, what do you see? What say you about the uh, the Angels? Five hundred, maybe. I don't. I don't. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not impressed with what they brought in. They added more depth to the lineup, but the hitting was never been their problem. You know, they they could. You know, even in the bad days, they could hit. It's you know, in 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 that now, the only thing that might help them is because that division is not a real whole, whole, whole lot of pitching in that division. You know, Oak, you know now Oakland just made a, a great deal today, um, you know, adding to ad, adding to their pen. So on paper, they have the best pitching staff. Um, again, will they allow that team to, you know, you know, you know what, you know, perfect example of, their biggest trade this past year was, you know, Chris uh, Chris Davis uh, was a year away from, you know, he was, in his, he was in his walk year, so they basically traded him for El, for uh, Elvis Andr- uh, Andrus, the uh, former shortstop for the for the for the Rangers. Um, they'll be, you know, as, as in, with the Angels, I think they'll be five hundred. You know, they're they're going to be they'll be fun to watch, but they'll, you know. And to me, until they really do make a commitment on pitching, they're going to be they'll they'll they'll, they'll they're, they will hope to be middle of the road at this point in time right now. Mm. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, you look at them; they can bash the ball. They'll win twelve to six, but they'll lose, you know, three to one or two to nothing because they. They, they they're not getting they either getting some good pitching or they're not getting any pitching at all. It seems like especially last year in the short season. It seems like they're um, they're they're the, they're, the, they're almost like the American League version of the Phillies. 
Wow. And it's funny because that's where I'm going. <laughs> now, again, like the White Sox, but at least uh, your Mets have, 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 have definitely uh, stepped up in a lot of different ways, more than the White Sox. And I picked the Mets um, and Atlanta to go to, to battle this thing out. Um, this year, I think the Mets or, or Atlanta is going to win. We'll get into division winners down the road, but but the Phillies are, you know, if there's a third team, you might be, you could tell me. I think you might say the Marlins, but hear me out. Um, I mean, they got the Gregorius and the Harpers and uh, Ramutos and all these guys in the lineup. They got some 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 rookie guys who can hit the ball, and you know, with Zach Wheeler and and Nola and these guys, like they have some pitching. My concern with them is defense um, in their bullpen. And yeah, if, mm-hmm. if when you look at the, the, the bullpens and the defenses, that's where when you're looking at Mets, Braves, and even Marlins, that's where they fall. But assess the Phillies moving in, barring them bringing in some kind of new player in the mix. Well, they, they may have a worse – they may actually have a, a worse bullpen than the Mets. Um you know, just off on paper. Now, you know Wheeler and Nola. You know, that's a that's a good that's a good one too. That's a that's an excellent one too. Uh, Perry Ramudo hurt his thumb, but they're saying it's not um, it's not um, dangerous. They say he should be okay uh, by the time right. you know, the season starts on time and everything else. But but see again, they're gonna you know they're gonna bash because of the ballpark and everything like that, but. Big picture wise, are they going? You know, they're 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 like the '80s Yankees. You know, they'll win games, they'll lose, they'll win and lose games eight, seven, nine to five. You know, stuff like that. But they, you know, they're going to be catching their own tail. And the rest of that division, plain and simple, they're they're you know they can bash with them to a certain extent, but. All you know, all three of the contenders, as far as I'm concerned, the Braves, the Nats, and the Mets. They all have pitching, legitimate pitching. You know, one of the quietest moves in all of that division last year was uh, the, 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 the Nationals getting John Lester. Now, if Strasburg is healthy, you know what Serger can do. And even though he's up there in age, you know what Lester can do. You know, I know everybody's, you know, high on the Braves and the, and the uh, Mets, and rightfully so, but um, – don't count the Nats out. You know, I I I I agree with you. I mean, the Nats they've they've shown that they they still have it. I don't know how big the window is, Tony, or how small it is, whichever way you want to go with that. In terms of um, you know getting to the getting to the the, the World Series and 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 things well, and thing is, being well, able to consistently. Consistently be truth, in that position. Truth be told, they're younger now than they were when they won the thing. Because remember, uh, Howie, you know, Howie Kendrick's gone. Uh, Ren, Rondon is Ren, Rendon is gone. They probably have a little more age on the pitching staff with Serger and Lester. Um, and actually, now again, see with them, their pen is a little shaky, but they but they're but they're top heavy. With their with their starting pitching, and their lineup, you know, you got you know, you got you got uh, Juan, you know Juan Cruz, 
you're more than likely going to get a full season from Zimmer. This is maybe his last season, but you're probably going to get a full season with Zimmer. Well, they did all that last year without Zimmer. Uh, you got Trey Turner that's getting that that's that's becoming one of the better shortstops in all the baseball. Uh, they're they're going to be there. They're gonna, you know I think I, you know I think a lot I think a lot of last you know with some teams were more affected by COVID than I think we uh, we want to admit it. And, and I think with them, plus the fact that, you know, they were, um, you know, coming off the, the championship season and, every, and everybody was, in a sense, going to be gunning for them. And, you know, it's just, you know, just something about, you know, trying to repeat or, or, or what have you. But, no, I, I think they bounce back. I don't know if they bounce back enough to win the division, but they, they're going to – I, I I feel they'll be a I feel they'll be in the mix and um I I, I this this way I'm I'm I'd be more optimistic about the Nationals than I would be about the Phillies. Well, yeah, I I I, I agree with you. Um, um, it, it, especially when you you talk about the the top happy and 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 heavy and um in in pitching. Speaking of which, and it's really kind of different with the Giants. We talked you and I talked about off season and during the season playoffs and Dodgers and Padres and we expect a lot of things. Tatis with the the big extension, talk about that in a minute and and all of that. But I I don't know what the Giants is do, are doing. Maybe they just this their down year or whatever. I mean yeah, you got all the old cars postseason yeah. up. The Crawford, the Posies, and all those guys, Longoria's are there, and then you got the Quetos and the Woods. All you got an old team now, which doesn't seem to have a lot of hitting or pitching at this point. Um, so, the, what say you about them? The, the the years of them winning every other year are are pretty much done. You know, yeah, they're, they're pretty much done. They they you know they they they, they, they I think they squeeze as much out of it, and I, I think that's one of the reasons why Bochy. I think both you saw that, and I think that's one of the reasons why he left. Now, now again, they do have some good young players. You know, Yaz is a nephew, good ball player, very good ball player. Probably somebody they can uh, um, build around. And and they have they have it in pockets, but you know, again, we you know we've gotten sort of spoiled in the sense of you know the Giants have always been there, but you know, right now. In that division, it's pretty much the uh, Dodgers and Padres, and you know the Padres. I, you know the Padres basically did what the Dodgers did a year ago, and uh, shore up, shored up their um, their you know arguably their best player. Um, I think it was a great move by the Padres to you know let him because see now they now. They basically well, I was going to ask you, the 14 now. years, did, I, I know you're a lover of the player, but you're not always a lover of contracts. So that this is a good thing for the Padres, you, you think? It's, it's, I, 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 you know what? I, I think it's their answer to uh, Mookie getting his big contract with the Dodgers, personally. I think, you know, look, they've both acknowledged that it's going to be them and it's going to be them and them this year because, you know, the Rockies are in, you know, year 12 of their five-year rebuilding plan. Um, the Giants are, you know, in transition. So, yeah, and remember, they added a Cy Young Award winner. 
Oh, uh, well, not, then I'm sorry. Let me not, I'm not saying. Well, yeah, he did win that. You know, but um, they added um some legitimate pitching to that uh to that uh, team. Um, you know they can hit. You know the lineup is always is always there. Um, the thing with the Dodgers, you know, they added. You know, they basically added two Cy Young Award winners with you know getting Bauer in free agency. And having Price um, going to play this year, so you know they're they're in the mix. They didn't really lose a lot from from their lineup, but yeah, you know just to, just to piggyback with the, the with the Giants, yeah, they're they're gonna you know it's it's uh, I, I think they're building. It's I think they're rebuilding. I don't know uh, how strong their minor league system is, so it may they may have to um, take it on the chin. Uh, maybe a little bit longer than their than their fans are used to, especially after all these years of being in contention. But yeah, yeah, they're um they're in that second tier. They're in that second tier now. They're not in that first tier anymore. You know, uh, if you're just joining us, talk with Tony T. Mac McLean talks to baseball here on the Bastion News Radio Show on the Bastion News Radio Network, WCOM, Chapel Hill, and Carborough. T, I want to switch gears. It actually, it really actually falls into Tatis Jr. getting the 14-year, $340 million deal. By the way, person of color, they want to complain about, right? But, again, Trout, whatever, and whoever, the white folks get their money, all, and it's all, cool. Everybody else say, get it. It's that's too much. All I'll say is the very same thing they're saying right now about the Tatis deal was the very same thing that um, they said about Mookie's deal. And exactly. And asked the, asked the Dodgers if he was worth it. Now, now, <laughs> you know. So, so yeah. Um, again, to, to me, I think this is the again to me this is the Padres basically you know saying okay, you know we're going for it. We're going for it. We, you know, we're, we're going to get, we're going to get our guy. You know, they already got, you know, Manny's got his money. They got Tatis right. I'm, I'm sure they'll, they'll whatever with these with some of the other players on there. But yeah, they're, they're basic. You know, they're basically, you know, they're saying they're going for it. And I can't, and I can't. You can't hate on them for that. You can't now. And, now, and the thing is, see, the thing is for me, black, white, whoever. First of all, if the markets want to pay, if the owner want to pay it, I, you know I'm a market, I'm a, I'm a market guy, I'm a players guy. If they, if the owners are whether stupid or smart to pay it, take the money. Why are you going to complain about it? I don't care who it is. You may not be worth it. We could debate it, but don't make it down racial lines. That's the problem. If the white dude can get it and he, I don't think he deserves it. He going to take what? Who wouldn't take it? So if 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 Tatis Jr. can get the money, and certainly he's a great ball player, not a good, he's a great ball, in my opinion, right? So why not take it? But, again, it's always down racial lines, when, especially when it comes to our, our black and brown athletes. And, I th- you know, again, Sports Economics 101, for player, for player, for so-and-so to be making X amount of money, they're bringing in X X X X. Now my now my that's view, again, right. Everybody took a hit last year, but see, again, this is more in a in a in a in a in a crazy sort of way. This ain't about Tatis. 
This is about the Padres. This is about the Padres saying to their fans, we're going for it, y'all. You know, That's right. On, you know, Here's our city. He's a, he, a we're gonna team. build around him. You're right. Yeah, yep. Get a good, you know, get a good damn seat. And when and when and when y'all are ready to go back to the when everybody's ready to come back to the ballpark, guess what you got waiting for you? And I think that's you know, and base again, this is basically what the Dodgers. This is literally what the Dodgers did a year ago at this time when they got Mookie and pe- and the same folks that were saying, is Mookie worth all the now? Mind you, Mookie had already won a title. And an MVP. Now Tatis doesn't have the hardware as of yet, but yeah, you know, potential-wise and coming off, you know, the only I guess if there is a question with him is that you know he hasn't played he hasn't played a full season yet. You know his rookie year, uh, he got hurt, and last year of course you know we had you know we didn't you know what it was sixty game season, so he hasn't played a full season. So there's the quote unquote risk. But I think the up, you know, I think the upside is probably a little bit better than the risk here. And again, it's it, it's it's a look. This is this is you know this is this is the this is uh, Padres management basically talking to the fans and most importantly talking to the Dodgers, saying we're coming after your we're coming after your you know red white and blue ass. And it, Tony, to, if you if forgive me if I'm saying that the fact that um, if if he hits 250 and goes to a slump, he's Fernando Tatis, the 14 year 340 million man, you know, you know, just you know, like you know, Michael, anyway. just like well, hold on, hold on, hold on one second, just like Michael Vick, the 100 million dollar player, uh, and then they go on with the story. Is what I I feel it's a, the connection whether you don't kill somebody, kill dogs, or you got a lot of money and you only a two year player. They're gonna put that in front of your name before they finish the story. Think, and, and they've been doing they've, they've been doing that forever and a day, man. I mean, it's it's I get you know look I get it, but you know sometimes you just you know sometimes you just gotta just you know let that. Let that drop off your back because it's going to happen. There's there's no there's no way around. And again, I don't say it to justify. I'm just saying, you know, end of the day, uh, end of the day. If there's if there's a parade in San Diego in October, who the hell cares? Right, but if it ain't a parade in 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 San Diego well, and it mentally bo- and it, you know what I'm saying, it mentally bothers him. There's yeah. long-term ramifications to that. That's what I'm saying. You know, that but stuff, you know, that you, it depends guess, on how tough you are mentally tough to get yeah, it, yeah. To, to deal with. And, and, and you know what? Let's, let's, let's get to that, though. I mean, I, I, I get it. I, I understand, you know, you cannot prepare for the sneak attack. There's no, there's no physical way possible of preparing for a sneak attack. And in and many and you know this ain't really going to be a sneak attack to to a certain extent. It's going to be it's, you know they're going to be there, um, you know hiding in plain sight. But that's going to happen, man. I'm I just I'm you know there's 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 other there's there's bigger look. Their biggest thing is they got to find a way to beat Big Brother, and Big Brother is you know x amount of miles away, got a championship. Basically, have owned the division the last eight years. Figure that out. If that if that's if that's the biggest 
problem. The biggest problem they got to deal with this year is trying to find a way to beat the uh, Dodgers. So those 19 games that they played this year, it's going you know it's going to be a little mini wars. Yeah, but I, I uh, again, uh, if if they don't win those mini wars, he'll get blamed for it, and that's my point. Yeah, yeah, and and okay, yeah, yeah, right, but but yeah, and what, and what? I mean, I, I, I get what you're yep. saying. I'm not I'm not trying to poo poo, but it's like, you know, let's 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 get this let's get the season started first before we start, you know you know, pointing fingers and blaming folks and whatever, because a lot can happen between now and, and uh, September. Okay. That's, that's say, fair enough. Because we'll, we'll... you can see, while the expectation is high, I think because, look, it's not like we've been seeing Padre fans riding in the streets. You know? So, give it some time. Give it, give it, give it, give it. No, I, I, I know what you're saying. I mean, I we can agree. Right. It's just, I, I don't, I, I get that. I get the whole Padres phenomenon lecture of, and I get that. I'm just saying like any other situation and, 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 and all those things at the end of the day, there, there will be finger pointing and it'll start with the 14 year, $340 million Tatis who will, if he's hitting 200, 250, that they're gonna put the blame on this 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 young kid, and it's up to him to, to decide. Honest, and his enablers are how they decide to deal with that. That's that's to my. Honest, to, how do you handle? To be, it? to be to be totally honest with you, I think they go after his buddy to his right before they go after him, because they because they haven't let up on Manny from day one. I think they go after him before they go after um, Tatis. And that's just me personally. Right. I think they'll go after him more because he's been because he's still they still look at him as um, the the enemy. And you know, I'm not you know one of the few times I'll actually pat myself on the back in public. You know, when when Manny signed his contract and Harper signed his contract, you asked me who's going to make the postseason first, and I said, Oh, easy, Manny. Manny's been you know Manny got in. And Harper's still trying to get to 500. Right, and then what I'm and I'm saying that if if Tony McLean and La Basso on the same team, and you've been there longer, and I'm just coming in, um, and they blame you over me, they still blaming the brother, is what I'm saying. So it's, I mean, it's yeah, just, it's still yeah, it's, it's still blaming somebody of color. They're gonna no, do it. It's gonna it's gonna happen. It's gonna and again, I'm not trying to prove, but you know, it is what it is, man. No, I get it you. Is what it right, is. right. I, I I get that. I get that. So we'll just kind of monitor that. I I want to uh, close with a, a some um, folks that will be free agent season. Think will they get paid and should they get paid? Just kind of get your thoughts. Um, I'm just gonna random go through uh, a few people that I came across in, in looking at um, some free agencies and what their numbers were. Uh, Trevor Story, you know, he's a young dude. I mean, relatively, he's 28, so he's still in his 20s. Um, mm-hmm. But he's up for free agency, you know, with the Rockies uh, this year. Do you think he's going to get his money, and do you think he deserves it? 
Oh, he'll get it. He ain't going to get it from Colorado, though. Uh, so he walked it. Oh, well, no, no. I, it's it's a little bit of him walking, but a lot of it of them pushing his ass up the door. I mean, hey, if they can trade Nolan Arenado, what do you think they're going to do with uh, Trevor Story? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, it's and he, just a matter, he, he, it's just a matter of where he's going, I think, at this point in time right now. I, you know, you know, I, I think the bigger question is, are they going to let him stay the, the year? Because he's going he's, you know, if we do get, you know, the season that we think we're going to get at some point during the trading deadline, his name's going to be one of the names. His, his, to me, his name's going to be one of the first names to come up, especially if somebody is in need of a shortstop down the stretch. And he, he's a guy. He kind of it's it, it kind of intriguing. Like you, you go from one team to the next, then you get traded, or you know you walk to another team. And he, he he's 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 got skills. He's got the power, obviously, um, at that position. He's he's it's sort of surprising that he would be be moving around a little bit. You know, it's not it's not. But see, it's not of his own doing. You know, remember they're they're big. You know, right. The Rock, you know, the Rockies. I mean, they basically, uh, you know, they gave Arenado a big contract, and all he asked was for, I just want some help, and right, and then they basically don't add the help, and then literally kick him in the ass on the way out the door, saying you didn't do nothing to help. Oh, really? So, you know, they're they're already, you know. You know the you know the direction that they're going in here, and see him, you know, a story, and their number one pitcher, who uh, I for the life of me can't remember his name offhand. They're you know they're in a sense dead men walking. Right. Yeah, and and it's it's unfortunate because like I say, he's a good ball player, really good ball player. Oh, yeah. Um, but it, like you no, said, it's, no. it's not it's not of his his own doing. It's just the no. the situations and the franchises that he's in in those positions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and of course, what's going to wind up happening with him is people going to be like, well, is he you know is he um, is, you know? And, and this happens with anybody that gets out of Colorado. Is he a is is it because of cores or is this guy legit? And I think we've seen over the years that a lot of their big name guys, Walker, uh, we didn't see with Helton because Helton played his whole career. I think we'll definitely see it with uh, Arenado. They're not, they're you know, they're not. Uh, I think it's safe to say they're not. Uh, you know, the the the, the ballpark ball has nothing to do with their with their greatness. Let's put it that way. Hmm. Uh. I, I bring this guy up. He's not really eligible for. He's not eligible for for free agency in a few years. But um, he, he's a pure hitter, hitter. Some people say the best at his age. And 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 you know, again, I trust you more than the so-called experts saying that. You know, once he goes through arbitration a few times and be eligible, that um, he might be looking at trout type lump numbers, and that's Juan Soto. Uh, he's only 22, uh, T. So you imagine at 22, and then maybe 25 at that point, sort of trout age when trout started getting that kind of money. 
mm-hmm. that would be pretty mm-hmm. impressive. Um, a really good outfielder is just naturally gifted, it seems, um, on, in the times I've seen him play. Um, what do you what say you about him? Oh, Washington's not gonna let him go. They, they you know, they'll 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 they're gonna lock him in. They'll burn they'll burn down the Washington Monument if they let him walk. And see, the one thing he's got <laughs> going for him, the one thing to me he's got going for him that you know you know say what they want about you know he got a ring. Right, he's that's right. And 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 he was a huge huge part of that. And here's the scary thing. He hasn't peaked yet. That's what I'm saying. I don't think he's peaked yet. He hasn't peaked yet. So no, he's no. A- look, to me, to me, him, Turner, uh, God, I can't. You know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm missing names and stuff. But to me, at the very least, him and Turner, those are your, you know, those are your franchise guys for the Nationals for the next few years. And they, and and I'm sure. They'll lock both of them up. I'd, I'd be very surprised if they lock up one and let the other one walk. But no, I think you know now. Now, if it should come down to the two of them, I mean, to me, clearly Soto's the guy that you would. I mean, I, I think you do both because you know Trey Turner is one of the best. You know, Trey Turner, uh, you know, because of his, uh, you know, because of his stolen bases and everything, I, he's a good all-around guy, like, um, like, like a uh, story. Right, but uh, but yeah, yeah. So right. you know, I I you know, you know, he, I I put it this way. He may have to do an arbitration at some point, but see again, at some point they're gonna. Ask, I I think at some point, how much you want? I think he's put himself in that position there in 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 such a young age to say, hey, where he can where he can. I don't even think he has to come to them. I think he'll go. I think they'll come to him and say, how much you want? Right, I think the the I think the setup the um, in baseball is different than uh, from football where um, they don't they can't do all of that arbitration as much as football can franchise a guy, I believe. Yeah. Um, sure. Sure. So 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 they you're right. He could say, you know what? Shoot, look look at my what my numbers. What are you talking about? Man, you better give me my money. I'm walking. You know, well, I, like and I said, it, that like may be said, may, after this year. He may have to. He may have to do it once. Cause see, all of them, you know, Trout had to do it. All everybody's gonna have to. You know, Jeter had to. Everybody had to do. Everybody does arbitration. It's 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 sort of like you know, at least one time. Yeah. yeah, everybody's gonna have to go through it once. Now, again, if they're smart, they you know they get this done. You know, before this year is over, because I'm not I'm not quite sure of his contract status. I think um, I think he maybe has another year or, or 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 so. But yeah, he's and see the thing with him is he's not out there in the media mouthing off or whatever. He just goes out there and plays every damn day and and see right. winning the and see winning a World Series adds to that cachet. And especially when you realize right. the fact that he was basically right in the middle of that. So, yeah, so yeah, at that age. Yeah, I, oh yeah, <laughs> I mean, he's a, he's a, I mean, he's scary, man. And 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 yeah, you know, again, buying injury or something ridiculously happening. That's you know he he's a, he's a cornerstone. You've got you again. It goes back to why you can't sleep on the nets. 
they've got guys that were part of that championship team that were relatively young veterans. So they've been through it before. And 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 Cruz is and 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 uh, Soto's. I'm sorry, Cruz. Soto's right in the middle there. They're still, you know, they're still waiting for Robles to sort of, you know, finally get it after a while because they all they all but handed center field to him a few years ago, and he still really hasn't taken over. Now they even let uh, Michael A. Taylor go, so right, you know, if Robles doesn't take it now, something something's up. Because Soto's already proven, yeah. hey, I you know, I got this. Uh, I want to bring in a, a Yankee be, and 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 one other. Uh, just you don't have to comment on the other one yet because I want to get to him in a minute. Um, but that's Aaron Judge. Now his is up uh, after 2022. Now to me, he's in in he's not in the best position. He's 28, so he'd be 31 when it. Um, uh, uh, well, thirty when he come when it comes up and stuff. He's had injury problems, durability problems. Strikes out a lot. Um, uh, he's he's a, a, a decent, you know, infielder and in, in, in that type of thing. He's a strong arm, obviously. But uh, I, you know, when you look at Torres, who will be up for free agency too, um, you you look at his age, you look at the injuries. Is he in a position with the strikeouts too? I mentioned um, that he will get paid. Will he get paid with the, the no, or will he get paid with the Yankees or somewhere else? What do you think about Aaron Judge? He's got a. He has to have a. He has to have a, another breakout season because see, right now he's been living off the rookie season for quite a while now. Um, That's right. And see, the thing with him was. If you remember that rookie season, he was a better, he was all around hitter that year. And you remember he had, he got a whole bunch of walks that year as well. Yeah. He had the strikeouts, but see, unfortunately the strikeouts have gone up and the blocks have gone down. Now, truth be told, he's probably your best fielding outfielder. Mm. He's the best fielding outfielder out there, I think. You know he's very underrated as a, as a fielding outfield. You know, uh, there's people that's called him a latter day um, Dave Dave Kingman. But see, Dave Kingman almost got killed trying to catch a fly ball. So I, I can't I can't um, put him in that same category. But he has to. Let's put it this way. Needless to say, he's got to play a full season number one. But also, he's got to dominate because he. They did not bring him in there to be, for lack of a better word, Stanton's caddy. It was supposed to be the other way around. Right. And Stanton, right now, even though he's had his, you know, his 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 uh, problems, uh, Stanton's upside right now looks a little bit better than um, Judge's, and that's not good right. because he's the younger guy. Right. His numbers have gone down, but I'll say this. Strikes out entirely too much. I can't. He, he well, just strikes out he entirely and in bad spots, too. And runners well, and in score position. Oh, my God. And, and, you know, and, you know, and, you know, for all the hell they give Stanton in the postseason, uh, what's, you know, has Judge done any better? No. <laughs> no. 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 Emphatically, no. Not no. at all. Not at all. Not at all. Now, see, here's 
here's here's the thing. He's not an albatross like Sanchez, which is another which is another two hour conversation in and of itself. But he needs to he needs to get it right before they start putting him in that same category as Sanchez. Because see, Sanchez, Sanchez is you know, this is his career. His career is on the line this year. His 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 because see, he has gotten worse defensively to the point of dare I say it, where he just looks like he's just lazy, and that's you know, that just you know you don't want you don't even want them to even think on that same level uh, in, in regards, so especially when you're a non-white player playing for the Yankees. But that being said, right. Judge needs to, you know, Judge has to have a step, Judge has to separate himself from the pack this year if he wants to, because um, it's, well, it's, if he doesn't, you know, Tony, if he doesn't improve his RISP and and his average, he won't have a standout. He strikes out too much, and runners in scoring position, he is horrible. And if see, he the can't prove thing, those two right there, that's it. Mm-hmm. He's done. And see, the sad and see, the sad thing is, he's you know in 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 this in this quote unquote modern day baseball, they'll overlook that because it's about you know it's it's home run or strikeout now, but. Even he, even he takes it to a little bit of a like, you know, come on, man, make some contact with the ball a little. And that's the thing. That year that he hit all those home runs, you got to, you know, at one point he was hitting, what was he hitting like three fifty at one point uh, that year? I mean, he was hitting for yeah, Adam. but and, he was hitting walks. right, but. But and then with the injuries, and now he with the injuries, he and and hitting two fifty is not cutting. Two forty nine is not cutting. It, well, it's it's and 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 see, it's gotten progressively worse. It's gotten because see, he doesn't even walk anymore. And and you know, I try not to get into the analytics, but it's 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 more of being productive. And I guess that's what they, the only the only um quote-unquote analytics number I will give some credence to is on-base percentage. And that early on... Thank you. Early on, he was a beast in on-base because he was walking and he was, you know, hitting with power, but he was also hitting. So you would put up with the 1,000 strikeouts because, you know, he was productive. But when you're not productive... And the other numbers get worse. You know he sticks out because he because he sticks out cause, and, and see especially when right. when when you when you get to see Lemayhew every day. I mean Lemayhew's a um, professional hitter, can hit for power, can hit for average, can play any everywhere. You know he could basically play every infield position for the most part. Could could you know could spell you in the outfield in a in a big 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 pinch. See that's the thing. He's either a DH or a, or or an outfielder. That's it. Right, and and the thing is, Tony, it, baseball, you know, as it you know, is a game of inches, but it's the next guy up. You gotta get on base. If you're not gonna hit it out of the park, get on base. Mm-hmm. Get on base. Only, and if now, you can't get on base, 
but and you only hitting home runs, that's not going to cut it. If you hit a zillion home runs, that's still not enough in 162 games in the regular season to have an average and have an on-base percentage that's going to be worthy of anything. And see, their number one prospect, and, and, and again, you always have to be a little leery about stuff like that, but that being said, uh, their number one prospect, uh, Dominguez, he's a right fielder, by the way. He hits more for an average. He's got power, but he hits more for an average. He's more he's more LeMahieu than Judge. Let's put it that way. Now I don't know about his glove, right. but there you know. But see, and look, even though you know, this is this is the this is the you know if this was if this was the old man, you know, he put his arm around him and and overpay him. But uh, that's true. Number, since number one son, well, number two son, I guess now, because number one son is uh, no longer with us. But um, number two son, yeah, we're the Yankees, but, you know, we ain't got to spend all that money. And if we can and, – and, oh, by the way, they're developing their farm system. You know? I mean, that's like, you know, ju- let's put it this way. Judge has to have, to me – I'm not – let's put it this way. I don't think it's the sort of thing where if he doesn't have a breakout season this year that they'll get rid of him next year, but it would behoove him to sort of leave no doubt so that so that when your time comes up, you can say, well, I did this and I did this. Now, they're still going to try to ham and egg him, but if he at least put the skissy, they begrudgingly gave LeMahieu his money. And LeMahieu basically did it, you know, LeMahieu basically just did it out there on the field without, you know, without whatever. Um, all the more reason which, why. Just, you know, which to me, T, is going to be nasty in the next negotiations round with him unless they smooth that thing over because they should have paid him uh, off the jump. They, they should have paid well, him. See, they want, you know, they started asking him for a home for a hometown discount Around last year, this time, I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You trying to take money from me, and I even got you know, and and they wound up basically, you know, meeting somewhere in the middle. And he definitely could have, you know, he definitely could have gotten more. But you know, to his credit, he wanted to be in pinstripes, and that's you know, for now. Be 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 thankful for that, but um, yeah, if if that if that contract should come up again, um, it's the Yankees that should eat humble pie instead of uh, DJ. But again, that's a whole other. But yeah, but all, I, I say all that to basically say, Judge needs to leave no doubt so that he doesn't go through what LeMahieu went through. Because if this all plays out right now. Oh, they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna squeeze the you know what out of him. To, to you know, they may even just do a one year deal right. with him, and 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 take their chances. Well, I will say this to the Yankees and and Dallas, always looking the Cowboys. That means always looking for the hometown thing because of the glamour, and the, we're the Yankees. You know, so we mm-hmm. that they try that selling point, and now guys are like, okay, the Yankees, but are you paying me Chicago White Sox money? You know what I mean? They paying me or, or, a or, lot or, more or, money or, than or, or, that pitch or wherever. Or, 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 or the San Diego Padres, Padres, right? Or, or New York right, Mets right. money? 
or L.A. Dodgers right, well, one, you, or so on and so on. Do so the so Mets in there, you know. Well, not well, hey, you know, <laughs> hey, that's hey, that, you know, uh, Uncle 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 uh, Uncle Steve is willing to pay a couple bucks, but he's not, but he's not gonna get holes though. You know, he's not gonna, you know, <laughs> now, now, you know, you know, truth be told, you know, Trevor Bauer played him a little bit, and you know. I don't, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not hating on them. I'm going to get to them in a sec with Lindor, but uh, with, I mentioned Torres uh, um, when his it, time comes it. up with the Yankees. I said, no, 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 I'm talking about uh, uh, Torres with the Yankees. Uh, with the, oh, when his oh, money Glaber, comes oh, up, oh, you oh, love Torres. Torres. Oh. Yeah, he when his time comes up, do they keep him or he walking? And does he deserve I, it? I say, I, I, um, obviously, I think he deserves oh, it. Oh, he's uh, he's he's like Soto. He's you know he should be he should be one of your um, he should be one of your um, mainstays over the next few years. I mean, for Christ's sakes, the guy you traded him for, you was able to get him back, so you didn't you so you literally didn't lose anything. So, yeah, you know, if he gives you another, you know, if he does what he's if he does another year, you know. If he doesn't, if he gets another year, he's gonna get his. If it comes right now, put a gun to my head right now, there's probably a better chance of Torres getting re-upped than Judge. If you're asking me this right now, well, it should be anyway. <laughs> I mean, Torres deserves it. No, and he deserves. I mean. Look at the playoffs oh, yeah, alone. I oh, mean, yeah, I know Judge has had some. Oh, yeah. um, I know, but Tor- come on. You know, <laughs> shoot. Oh, that's oh, not. Oh, there's oh. no doubt. Look, the guy's already. You know, he's already been an all star. He's done it in the postseason and everything like that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he go. You know, again, if they if they do this right, he should be. You know, he should be. He should be to the Yankees what Soto what Soto should be for uh, the Nationals. What about Lindor? In in that situation, I mean, you obviously get a premier player. Um, in, in, in long term, what it what what do you think the Mets will do um, with him, and what would he demand once that comes around? Now you what? Now you asking me as the fan, or you asking me as uh, an analyst? <laughs> I'm asking you as both. <laughs> no, I can't be both. I can't be both because see, I because because. All right. Um, well, as a fan, I know you want to keep him, but as a as a analyst here, what do you think happens? That's fine. For what you gave up for him, you better. I mean, here's the thing. The two guys you, the two guys you basically have to. The reason why they didn't go after Bauer was because Bauer and and, and forgive me if I go on along whatever here. The reason why they didn't want to give Bauer a whole bunch of money is because they know they're two guys they have to lock up. Michael Conforto and Francisco Lindor. That's who they and have Conforto to lock up. And Conforto was the other guy I was going to mention, by the way, which Conforto is a very up. good and, and, player. And I, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I go back and forth because, you know, he teases the hell out of you. But when he plays, you know, he's great. Uh, He's an exceptional talent. He really is. He really is. I lock lock him up. I lock up Lindor and, you know, go from there. Because, see, they also got some guys in the farm. But, again, you know, that's that's just, you know, that's just what. But let's put it this way. 
I don't think it's a thing where they will sign one and let the other one walk. And see, especially now, because if they did that, then that'll be just like when a pimp named Fred owned the team. <laughs> and we know about him. Yeah. So I would think that uh, I, you know, I would think that Uncle Steve will find a way to uh, sign both of them, especially when you basically gave up, especially with Lindor, because you gave up a couple of good youngins to get them. And it sure would be awful silly for them to whatever. And, and then he winds up wearing a damn Yankee uniform next year. Yeah. And, and, and you think about it with uh, Conforto with it, you know, the, uh, the power and the, the, uh, the talent he has in the outfield. I mean, it, it, I guess you go one and then the other, but you, but at the end of the day, you want to make sure you lock them both up to mm-hmm. be, you know, those those cornerstones, uh, see, especially with you know, twenty seven, twenty twenty eight years old. And see, also now, now that uh, Tatis has got his money, you know, Lindor's agent is yes, is, sir. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know. Well, Tatis didn't do it, didn't do it way. Big picture-wise, Tatis didn't do the Mets any favors. By no, they don't. Contract. But, but, you know, look, the oldest, the oldest, oldest phrase in the world, if you're going to give a dance, you got to pay the band. That's right. Um, four other players I want to touch on, you tell me, um, yes, they stay or they go. And if they deserve, you can give me those. I'm going to run through them. The, the quick one is, and I go back to um, just 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 one particular one, and I'll just bring up Anthony Rizzo with the Cubs. And Baez should, should get that money at shortstop. Um, if they're going to pay Rizzo, they need to pay him and Javier. Um, so he's one at shortstop. I get the feeling that they're going to do one of them. They're not going to do both of them. Because, see, there's all sorts of Chris Bryant rumors. And Chris too, Bryant, as well. yeah, Chris yeah. Bryant. Yeah. They're not gonna do. Yeah. Them. They're not gonna do them all. They're not gonna do. They're gonna. They're gonna. Let's put it this way. They're gonna do one of them. They may do two. Rizzo, Rizzo's been good. Rizzo's been good, but I, by I mean, something about a shortstop, man. You need that spot, man. You, you need that twelve, ten to twelve year spot guy that can get it done. Yeah, and well, let's put it this way. Now, see, now Rizzo's, you know, been there. Although that, even though that wasn't his first organization, but he's been a cub. You know, he's been there. It, it seems right. like he's been there forever. So, right. one would that he would, you know, one would think that he would get his money, and and he probably he probably deserves it of the most of the three. Although Bryant did do did do win in a rookie of the year. He did win an MVP. Helped you, you know, break the but the hell, all three of them helped you break the curse. So it's that's that's right, right. It's you know, maybe that's why Theo got the hell out of there because he was like, I'm going to be the one to make that decision. <laughs> that's the hell. I mean, think about that. Those those guys are three clear cornerstones of that championship team, and you're probably not going to be able to keep all of them. So. Yeah, and that's unfortunate in in the day and age we are in in sports. And again, 
I'm I'm all for these guys getting money. If they can't get it there, oh, you want to be loyal. Absolutely. You want to get be absolutely. loyal to the Cubs, you, you know, the, and all of that. And they've been loyal, no. But you gotta take care of your family first, right? So if this is a good situation loyalty. for your family, money wise. Yeah. That's right. Loyalty is a, loyalty is a two way street, and most of the time, most of the time, the owners are you know are jaywalking most of the time. So. <laughs> You're right. Real quick, um, the, the Dodgers got two uh, coming up, um, one in 21, 20, uh, 23, and Bellinger and, and, and Seager. Uh, your thoughts on them, real quick? Uh, put a gun to my head, I think they do Bellinger. Yeah, I thought you was going to say that. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. No, no disrespect to Seager. No disrespect. You know, I mean, Put it this way, the Dodgers got more money than God, so they could be <laughs> both of them. If they come back, if if they repeat, all bets are off, they, and they do both of them. But put a gun to my head right now, I say uh, it's Bellinger. Yeah, I, I can see that. And, I mean, technically speaking, he's a little bit younger, but I don't think they're looking at that. A couple of hours? <laughs> no way. <laughs> Six months or whatever, yeah. uh, and then the last guy um, uh, actually did. Someone had, um, emailed me in a little while ago and asked about uh, Rafael Devers, Devers for um, the Red Sox, who's really young, but he's not up uh, until twenty three. And I mean, you you know what they've done and and the guaranteed money and given it to J D Martinez and Nivoli and. Uh, Ricky Hernandez and all these guys, and they they paid out a lot. Um, some of which wasn't as productive as they wanted it to be. What what do you think is going to happen with him? Why do I think they're going to find a way to mess that up? Good ball now, player. I, I I don't I just I don't you know. I I think they'll find a way to mess it up. I really do. I you know I. I Again, to me, he's one of those guys where I almost want to be like, you know, get him, you know, sign him up now. With so him and 